LSG Media presents a Game of Thrones podcast. Welcome back to the Game of Thrones podcast by LSG Media. I'm Dean. I'm joined by Jessica. And today we're going to be talking about Season 6, Episode 3, Oathbreaker. Not Oathkeeper. Not Oathkeeper. That was a different episode. Oathbreaker. And uh, we got some questions as to what that means or who that is or what the fuck is going on. But how are you doing tonight, Jessica? I'm doing good as always. As always. You are just on cloud nine. Look at you. Just a regular ball of sunshine. Now, I got a really... Really want to start things off with a opening question here. All right. One, and we're going to talk about this last, but we'll get into our all regular stuff. But really, right away, are you doing a little less good than you could be knowing that Jon Snow might have a pinky dick? Yeah, that was disappointing, but I think like Tormund was just jesting. You do? Yeah, I don't think he really meant that. I think he was like, holy crap, Jon Snow, you are working with a piece and I'm a little embarrassed. I think I think I think your main man Tormund Giant Spain's got a hammer. Yeah, I mean I, I would mean, I I do him. I'm pretty sure he's got a hammer like that which Robert used to break open the chest of Rhaegar Targaryen on the Ruby Ford. <laughs> uh, I was strong once. Well Good Lord. We're going to get into this. Uh, We're going to have some opening thoughts outside of that nonsense. We'll explicate our way through the scenes. We will have some listener comments. We will update our Deadpool. And then we will wrap with a couple of final thoughts. And uh, I think today, because we're ending on the Tower of Joy, which which you'll understand in a minute, I think after the credits, we're going to talk a little bit about Sir Arthur Dane. I don't know. We might. We're going to try to talk a little bit about Not his Not during lore. the credits? I don't know what I mean, we're during do. the credits? Uh, you know what? We're gonna, Not during the episode? We're going to play it by ear. But why don't we tell the good people how we're going to go through the order tonight? Because we don't... I mean, we explicate through, but we don't go... We go chronology through each location and or character versus following the editing of the episode. So we just take a character and we go. We take a location and we go. So Jessica... Tell these people how we will be traveling around the great continent of Westeros and Essos. We're going to start. Plural. We're going to start with the most interesting and intricate plotline of the entire episode: Sam and Gilly. <laughs> oh God! Will they? Won't they? People. We, they. They have. Oh, so. Right. Oh my! <laughs> I forgot. Uh, we will then move on to uh, the Khaleesi with her Dothraki woman friends. Uh, followed by Marine, which will take us right into King's Landing pretty seamlessly. Then we're going to go over to Bravos, then Winterfell, followed by the Wall, and we're going to finish it out with a little uh, flashback. Yes. Bran crying as the Red Raven. Will you just say Tower of Joy? No. Why have you refused to say it? It's like dogs to you. <laughs> because I say Tower of Joy I, and you say Bran. Is that Bran, a spoiler, though? And you just can't because i don't want isn't that like a spoiler from the books how to call it the tower of joy why like how do i why is it a tower of joy i don't, I don't know. know that i watched the episode and i don't know lovely. that it's a tower of joy i don't know then why is it called the tower of beauty who knows yeah right, man it's joyous joyful okay so uh we'll do the tower of joy last um <laughs> uh jessica i came home from work today and i saw you sitting there watching the episode but you were watching the behind the scenes part of it and you said to me you know now watch this again and not much happened yeah so what are your initial impressions this week how about this 
What is the standout moment from this week's episode? I'm going to ask you that again. So I'm going to now, I'm going to zero in on you. I'm going to make you make some tough choices. Well, I mean, I could go with the obvious Jon Snow's almost penis that I saw because that was pretty high on the list. I don't believe that you actually think that that was the most compelling part of this week's episode. I, I demand a recount. No, but I would, I would have to go with the wall again. I think that John's coming back and his interactions with Davos and with his people and him ending on my watch is ended, which we were all waiting for, right? Mm-hmm. That is the most compelling stuff. And anybody who wants to tell me otherwise, you are a liar. Wow. So you're saying that your opinion is fact and everyone else is wrong. I'm just saying it's like so obviously the most interesting thing that's happening right now. <laughs> what? are you least interested in? I mean, is it obvious? Gosh, I have a few. You have a few? If you could only pick one, if you had to, if you, if you knew that of the ones that you hate or you're not interested in, that you had to watch over and over again, but you had the joy of being able to eject one that you wouldn't have to watch over and over again, which one would you eject? Gosh, I guess I would have to eject Sam and Gilly, which is unfair because they almost shouldn't even count. Hmm. I see. Last week, I would have said Bravos, but this week, Bravos was okay. Uh-huh. Like, there were two things below it in my list of interest. Yeah. Okay. All right. I like your style. Okay, so. Wait, what's your thing that you think is the most interesting? <sighs> well, it's no... Like, s- like, fuck, marry, kill. Like, which scene do you... You know what I mean? Can you do that okay. with parts of the episode? I suppose. I think you could. Okay. Um, I don't know if it works as well on TV. I guess if I had to kill anything, I'm, you're not going to like this answer. Okay. And I apologize in advance, Khaleesi. I mean, no disrespect. But I'm, I'm, I'm killing the Kalar Vazine stuff. Yeah, I would kill that too, probably. I'm, it's dead. I just killed it. Uh, what would I marry? So that means you're talking, I've got a long-term commitment here to oh, know yeah. what's going on. Well, um, I guess I would fuck Castle Black. Me too. No, yeah, the wall. Um, yeah, that's definitely what I'd fuck. Well, no, I don't know. I think I'd, I think I'd fuck the Tower of Joy, and I'll get into that. That sounds wrong. And I think I would marry Castle Black, but um, that's really going off of you just bringing this on me, not giving it much thought. I'm really shooting from the hip here. That's what we. That's what you do in life. Mm. Yeah, I'd fuck the Tower of Joy. You know, I'm a history fan. I know, and I especially like make believe histories for things that never actually existed, and this happens to be one that I'm very interested in. Uh, this whole backstory, and I can't wait to talk about it. Oh, we'll get there, but you're going to have to wait. I will wait, but I'll tell you, I love the idea of, I don't know. I love the idea of how rich the lore is of Game of Thrones and how these five or six, 800 to 1,000 page books are just scratching the surface of all the stories that have happened and how rich the setting is and how the Tower of Joy is a great example of that. So I'd really like to shag it. When Game of Thrones ends, we're 100% getting prequel TV shows. I hope so. 100%. They may wait wait a while, but it's coming. We'll see. We'll see. And then, of course, I got to marry... I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm tossing it He's up. It's like Castle Black. I mean, if I could be... Uh, what are the guys that get multiple wives? Who's allowed to do that? Mormons. Yeah, Mormons. Right? Yeah, like so that show... Sorry big. if there's Mormons in the chat who... I offended. Some Mormons. Who cares? You know the show with Bill Paxton from Aliens. You know what we're talking about, you guys. Big love. I would probably marry Castle Castle Black as well as King's Landing because King's Landing is so connected. It's the hub of politics. This was the most boring King's Landing we've had all season, in my opinion. Wow. We'll get there, though. I'm Hmm. a harsh critic, yet I love it. It's weird. Yeah, I guess. 
All right. So that's that's my initial thoughts on on everything. Overall, I I really have boner jams for the young Eddard Stark and his his little soiree into the past. We got to see him with Bran walking around, big tall Bran. And uh yeah. So but it's very much a setup episode. Yeah. Okay. Get into the shit. Let's get into this shit. Where are we going first? We're Sam gonna start and with Gilly? Sam and Gilly. There's so much to say. I don't even know where to begin, honestly. It's really really intense that um, sounds like you're being really sarcastic but i can't tell i think gilly is adorable and i think sam is adorable and i think i used to really shit on sam but he grew on me is that after he got his pencil wet yeah probably but yeah. i don't care i don't care about he wants to take gilly back to meet his family like i don't care really how come because i don't care the only part of the scene i liked is one that gilly was like this ship doesn't make me sick i'm awesome and sam was puking everywhere so go gilly and then I like when she called Sam Little Sad Sam's dad. When okay. she said that he was the baby's Tugged father. on your heartstrings, did Tugged it? on my heartstrings a little. Okay. Um, so Gilly or Sam is definitely going to die this season, I feel like, if anyone has him in their Deadpool. Because whenever we tug on the heartstrings, we kill somebody. I don't know. We've already I killed think... enough children. <clears throat> Here's the way I look at it. The Sam and Gilly stuff, they're on the, they're on the sea. They're on the ocean. The S-E-A or the S-E-E. Was... One of the two. She's adorable. <laughs> One of the two. Here's what I do know. Sam is a dirty little landlubber, sick as a dog. Oh, for sure. Got no sea legs. And uh, Gilly's like, I'm so excited to see old town and to sit a And then Sam's like, oh, by the way, now that I've got you to come with me to get on a boat to sail across the ocean. And I promised we'd be together. You're not going to be with JK. me. JK. <laughs> well, Sam, could have used that information a lot earlier. I'm sure Tormund could use a wife. Wow. But uh, no, no women. Gilly says that she'll stay at Old Town, but Sam warns that this won't work because they have no money. So he's basically saying, I don't have a job. I have no income. I have no money. So you can't just live at Old Town. That's not going to work. So I'm going to ship you over to my family at the Horn My asshole dad. Yeah, he's bad. Randall Tarley. But I guess everyone else is pretty cool, right? That's the impression we got. Yeah, because they're probably meek because they're beaten by Randall Tarley every day and they've never even spoken like words of their own. I mean, I guess she's still going to live with him, doesn't she? Yeah, I guess you're right. So, yeah, House Tarly, the Horn Hill, and uh, it's it's pretty far from Old Town, apparently. Horn Hill lies, according to the wiki, a hundred leagues northwest of Old Town among the thickly wooded foothills of the Red Mountains of Dorne. What's well, near Dorne? Mm. Oh, she better stay away from there because there are some nasty sand snakes who like to kill people. Yeah, so... I think that that's awesome. I like that. I like that there's some intrigue here involving these two. I, I mean, it's not overly exciting. And to be honest with you, this scene, I I don't want Game Game of Thrones to get into the fuckery. I don't want them to get too cute with the, we're going to stretch things out by sticking this Sam and Gilly old town on the sea scene in. I didn't need to look in on, on them this week. Nope. I didn't think it was really necessary. But I will say this. It's kind of cool that they are going to be out there. Uh, I think they're away from the corruption of everything. They're not, they're not in the middle of the boiling pot of all the bad things that are happening. So I think Sam and Gilly are fairly safe unless this boat goes down. I think they're pretty safe as peeps. Yeah, I guess for now. Yeah. Yes, Tyrell Territory. It is, in the, it is located in the reach of Westeros. Pretty cool. It's apparently 354 miles based on what you just Googled. Okay. Away from Old Town. All right. Well, that's not exactly close when you don't have cars, I suppose. 
I guess. It's a long way on foot. Yeah, I mean, if you had a car, you could get there. And yeah, I mean, it's not bad. A day. A few hours, like, sure. Probably more than a few hours, but less than a day for sure. Yeah, well, what are you going to do? But um, I don't know what's going to go on with those two. I, uh, I, I'm dubious as to Sam going back to his family because of the way his father basically yeah. said, you're worthless to me. You got to go. And now he's going back. He's going to hope that these people take in this girl. Is he going to tell them they're wildlings? Are we going to see intrigue and, and shit with this? Or is it going to be little touch and goes now and, th- now and then? Honestly, I think that they could have taken Sam and Gilly and not have them in the season at all. Just like they did sure. the brand last season. Sure. And I feel like I'm going to be annoyed every time it shows them. And I like Sam and I like Gilly. I actually like Gilly a lot. She grew on me a lot last season. But I don't care. I don't care about them going home to Sam's family. I don't care about any of that. Mm-hmm. Let Sam go and become a maester and next season let him return and help John. Gotcha. That's all. I don't need this in-between stuff. I'm good. I don't mind the Give in-between the stuff. Off. I just don't love the timing against the massive cliffhanger shit we got going on. Like... Holy shit, right? We got John is alive. And then he just kind of is like, I'm out of here. They made fun of my dick. I'm leaving. And we could have gotten more on that, but instead we had to go Sam and Gilly to fill up the hour. I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. I'm wondering how and if the politics of Old Town and the politics of Horn Hill and if, if all that stuff is going to play into the coming crazy shit that's going to happen. Because it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And I can't imagine these big houses not being pulled into it on some level. Uh, what that means, I don't know. Right. You satisfied with this? I'm satisfied that we're done talking about it. <laughs> Ooh, Let's move on to something else very unsatisfying. In the chat, they're saying that Sam's dad is very important. Yes. I hope Randall that he is. Tally. Because if not, then we just wasted five minutes of the episode and 10 minutes of this podcast yeah. talking about them. Uh, as a recap, Samuel recounts to Jon Snow that even though he was his father's eldest son and heir, he was disgusted with Samwell's womanly interest in books. <laughs> <laughs> I like this guy. This guy's all right. <laughs> <laughs> Once I sure you have like big books and I cannot lie. I do have that shirt. It yes. It's purple. It is I purple. I could see it stretched over his belly. <laughs> his little belly hanging out. This is a Photoshop that needs to happen. I like big books. Oh my. All I my Photoshop people, shit. please get that shirt on Samuel Tarley. Thanks. <laughs> Samuel's womanly interest in books and learn and and uh learning and disdain for martial valor and combat. <laughs> <laughs> Soon before Sam turned 18, his father took him aside and bluntly told him that he was unworthy to inherit the Tali lands and titles. Uh, Randall ordered Sam to take the black and join the Night's Watch. Randall told his son that if he did not, he would take him out on a hunt in the woods and kill him in such a way that it looked like an accident. Jesus. Sounds like we're having a Robert Brathian. Wait a second. Yeah. Uh, Randall Tarley, historically, just as a nice little touchstone on him, he was one of the lords who declared for Renly. So he supported Renly's claim. Oh, hashtag Team Renly. Mm. I supported Renly too. Yep. Just because I thought it was cute. Nice. I was gay, but still thought it was cute. Yeah. <laughs> uh, another interesting fact. Sam quips to Glee that his father is not a very literary man. Later, surprised that Samuel is Randall's son, Stannis recounts to Sam how Lord Randall defeated Robert Baratheon in the Battle of Ashford. The only battle Robert ever lost, for which King Stannis considers Randall a fine soldier. Yeah, didn't did he talk about that on the show? Yeah, season five. Yeah. Yep, I'm in the wiki here. So uh, there you go. Maybe he is a badass. I mean, if you're a badass, if you beat Robert Baratheon in battle, 
and you poop and your wife poops out that piece of porridge. I mean, not gonna that lie. That is so mean. Poor Sam. He's a kind gentleman. I just want to read books, Daddy. Fuck off. I'll take you on and stab you in the face. <laughs> and I'll just say you did it yourself. You fucking wow. cunt, you. All right. So that's the end of the Sam and Gilly storyline. We had to spice it up with something. Just saying. I guess. Let's get to this fucking shit show. Kalar Kalavazin. Temple of Widows is what I call it. Yep. Temple of Widows where they... <laughs> where the widows go to die, basically. But didn't we already discuss that they have their... Uh, this is where they... This is the P.O. box for their Etheridge CDs and yes, stuff? Yes, exactly. Okay. This is where they get their Indigo Girls. You know, they play here sometimes. <laughs> what, what do these broads do all day? So Strip new broads that come in naked and then give them new clothes. I don't know. Yes. All I know is Amelia Clark used to show her boobs on the regular. And this is how we know her contract has changed because if this was Melisandre or basically any other actress, we would have seen boobs here. Yeah. But no, no, no. Contracts have changed. It's funny. This is so meta, but like, this is probably like Benioff and Weiss trying to pull her clothes off. And she's like, I won't, I don't let you. Uh, somebody was talking to me about this at work today. Yes, we were talking about the Khaleesi getting naked at work. What else do you do? And I guess the actress said she didn't want to do nudity, nudity anymore unless she was going to get a ton of money and she was going to leave the show. And then when she was saying this and the negotiations were going on, the next episode that actually aired on TV, she was naked in like a ton. And they were like, you probably should have waited until after that episode where <laughs> you were nude before you said you didn't want to be nude anymore. There you go. How coy of her. But hey, get paid for that booty girl. I'm all about that. So she gets to the widow hut. There's great visuals the, here. The widow hut. The widow hut. Yeah, it looks like some shit you'd see at the uh, fucking Plymouth Plantation over here. So she gets to her widow cut. Great visuals. Good music. She gets her robes torn off in favor of her new digs. She threatens them. And uh, I like how the lady running the show here, the uh, the head mama. She's Main like, widow, I called her. <laughs> <laughs> Head widow. <laughs> the, the, the head widow. I'm taking her in my Deadpool she's for getting, the second half of the season. She's getting a little long in the tooth here. The cougar den they're saying in the chat. <laughs> oh I God. thought he would conquer the world with me at his side. So yeah, obviously all these ladies thought the same thing. Just like every cow always thinks the same thing. Right. And I liked the main widow. The fact that she was like, hey, I'm taking your clothes and you're nobody like you say you're this great queen but not to us you're not and she says hey i thought i was gonna do these great things too that you thought you were gonna do you're not special you're not different yes and she's not saying it in a mean way she's trying to relate to her right she's saying i'm just like you you think you're not like me but you are just like me but danny actually isn't like her right she'll find out the hard way you know i do like this I thought about this while I was watching her. And, you know, I like me a little dirty Khaleesi with that defiant look in her eye. No, you do. Makes me want to break her like a horse, you know. Dean did say sexually. this watching the episode the first time, and it was a little uncomfortable <laughs> for everybody in the room. Oh, shit. Uh, but, no, I, I uh, you know, break her like a wild-eyed Italian. I wanted oh to see. Oh, God. Oh, those Italians not right. She'd be a mare, right? Is that how chicken chick horses are mares? I don't. I think chick horses are mares no, and stallions are bros. Cool. They're I bros. Know. I don't know. <laughs> they're they're dudes. Yeah, I think that the technical term, the actual you know term for male horses, is bro. I'm pretty sure it is. Do you even ride, bro? Um. So the thing that's cool about this scene is is that 
she suddenly has this feeling of not being special. I mean, she always is confident. She always believes. But part of me feels like this might be good for her character arc in the long run and just in terms of her personal growth. And that's something we haven't talked about. I, a part of me thinks that this might be good for her, this humbling situation that she finds herself in, which I know she's been through the fucking ringer. I get it. I understand that her brother was killed, right? And all that shit. So, you know, she lost her whole family. I'm you know. sure when her brother was killed, that was awesome. Yeah. Well, for multiple everybody. brothers. Rhaegar as well. Rhaegar, Viserys, they all died. I you were talking about a douchebag who got the gold to the face because... Oh, no, that was wonderful. His death was a cheerful day for all. It was. It's, it's actually a holiday now. Um, but yeah, I'm wondering if... I'm wondering if there's going to be any personal growth here or is this just a plot hook to help propel her forward to get her more of an army to get the Dothraki on her side? The Dothraki sort of became this irrelevant thing once she left the cow and broke away from all that and got wrapped up with Marine and Astapor and all that shit and became the breaker of chains. The whole part about the Khaleesi thing doesn't really matter. It's not like she has a ton of Dothraki. She's got, what, a couple? Maybe one or two. I don't even know if she has any. I don't, I don't think, think she, she does. Yeah, I don't think she does anymore. anymore. So I don't know if they're trying to make it relevant again, bring it back again. Is this going to help her as when it comes to the, the threat she has back at Marine? I guess we will find out. Tough to say. What do you think about that? I think that I don't care about what's happening to Danny in this Temple wow. of Widows. And Excellent. I, I understand that this is going to be character development for Danny. We can't just have her chilling in Marine and we can't just have her go to Westeros. We're not at those points yet. Clearly, the Dothraki have to work for Danny. That's something that's coming and we have to build up to that. And that's what we're doing now. You think that's a done deal, the Dothraki? Oh, 100%. Yeah. There is no way that the Dothraki are not fighting for Khaleesi for Westeros. There's just no way. That is happening. You know how it's going to happen? Dragons. Hmm. They're going to do what? I don't know. They're going to come kill people and scare people. And then they're going to be like, we better follow her because these dragons are cool. Maybe. That's a big fucking flying horse. Dothraki might actually like that. Although in the chat, people are saying team Jorio, like Jor and Dario. Oh, boy. <laughs> and I'm really on board with that hashtag name. That, yeah. That, that couple name. There's, there's also some misgivings about are they deliberately trying to keep her from getting to Westeros until the perfect time? I mean, is Probably. this some story? fuckery here probably yeah fair enough like oh god this marine shit we've been doing it forever it's so boring people like want to claw their eyes out they're sick of her holding council and her dragons killing babies we better move her somewhere else for a while and when mm. people get sick of that they'll move her somewhere else until it's time the the fucking weird thing is is that part of the excitement about her this season was her becoming becoming allies with Tyrion lannister and they broke it up right away, and I think it's hurting her storyline a little. I agree. Because we brought Tyrion and Varys there thinking, oh, cool, we're getting these two worlds to meet. It's going to further the storyline of her, and then that just doesn't happen. And now we're like, all right, we're back with the Dothraki. Cool, cool to see the Dothraki again. Don't fucking drag me through three episodes of Dothraki shit. Like, either tell me where that's going or, or not, right? Right. Fuck or walk, as they say. Speaking of Tyrion and Varys. Marine. So Varys works his magic. With that prostitute. I remember this bitch. Mm. I remember her. Yes, you do. She clutched those young brown men to her bosom and then let people slit their throats. So rude, honestly. Mm. They just wanted to snuggle. Just wanted to snuggle them boobs. Well, they can't do much else, can they? We don't know. I mean, there's things that they can do. Mm. No, 
but they just wanted to snuggle. Yeah, I suppose. What could they do? I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> Varys works his magics. How you climbed all those steps without breaking a sweat. I love when Varys talks to people. He's amazing. He's great in this scene. So he talks about how this we've this is a new thing for us. Seeing him spend a long scene with somebody who is not a named character that matters. Mm-hmm. In the grand scheme of things, Vala doesn't matter. I didn't even write her name down in my notes. So excellent. Anybody Sorry. can be a podcaster. People at home. Anybody. You just have some wine and put a mic in front of your face. You don't even need notes. Now taking auditions. Does somebody want my job? Because I'm getting fired. I think you're today. about to get fired today. <laughs> what do you want to say about Marine? It's boring. What do you want to say about Sam Gilly? It's boring. What do you want to say about Varys? I like Varys. <laughs> oh, fuck. All right. So... He talks about how torture typically provides the wrong answers and that he'd rather make her happy. He knows her name is Vala. He continues her to compliment name is Tom. her. What's up? I know that. Except for the whole murdering of Unsullied, he then discusses perspectives and how it is important that they understand each other's perspectives. He mentions Dom. And then Vala barks a bit. She barks at him. And uh, she's like, you're a true liberator. Very sarcastic. And, uh, right, who threatens my son. He denies this. Children are blameless. He wonders how Dom will get along without his mother. He does tell her that he will pay her and ship her and Dom away. They That's his move. Start a new. It's such a move. He loves to send people away on ships. He's cough, a, cough, Shay. Didn't he try to do that to her too? So. Yeah, he did. But she had other plans. Well, she's dead in a bit. She was she taking was the uh, the old oath breaker from Taiwan. <laughs> <laughs> uh, is this how my dwarf son fucks you? I don't know. They're into some kinky shit, them Lannisters. What do you want me to tell you? They're all fucking each other. It's not, hey, I didn't write this. I'm just reporting it. Oh, I know. So yeah, this is his move. I like that we get to see this in action. It's kind of neat. And then he gets some information, which he's going to reveal in a minute. But before he does, let's talk about Tyrion. Character building, cute scene. Nothing happens, but adorable. Nothing happens at all. Adorable, though. Let's be honest. Here's the thing. Peter Dinklage is so good that he can carry these two fucking schleps Oh, I know. They're so bad. Who just sit there like a couple of humps. But let's be real for a minute, okay? We tend to be harsh on some of these people, like Ollie. Poor, sweet, sweet, innocent Ollie. (laughs) We'll get to him. We'll get there. Sweet, sweet young boy. So Tyrion's trying to have a conversation with two people who were slaves, right? It doesn't go well. They're not accustomed to the pleasantries of life that he knows. They don't understand that. And... You know, Grey Worm tells Tyrion that he's would be talking about Patrol, who I caught on Patrol, Which, who was on Patrol, who by fucking the way, broke the Patrol, who I caught on Patrol. <laughs> he wasn't saying Patron, which is what I thought the first <laughs> time I heard it. I was like, wait, wait, Grey Worm talks about Patron? Continue. Yeah, well, I'm a, interested, but no. He's I the right was, skin was, tone for that. I was right? wrong about that. Well, anyway, he, uh, he keeps going on and on about Patrol. I'm boring as fuck. And then and no. your accent for him is so terrible. What do you want me to do? I don't know. The true history of the world is the history of great conversations and elegant rooms. Tyrion makes this up on the spot. <laughs> a quote by a wise man, me. <laughs> After failed attempt at conversation, he tries to get them to play games. But nobody drinks. Nobody drinks. And Masani talks about the games she had to play with the masters, which sounds pretty kinky if you ask me. Yeah. 
I'm surprised Terry didn't press on this. It's probably been a while for him, but he no, didn't. He's not like that. No, not at all. He doesn't take advantage of women who aren't into it. Who said? How do you know she's not into it? Because she's into Grey Worm. How do you? What part of him? The part where he snuggles. Oh, it's adorable. In this cold world, at least she has someone to snuggle with. Okay, so what's going on in the scene? Here's what nothing. I think is going on. A whole lot of nothing. I want to talk about Tyrion's drinking game, though, because it sounded like fun. There's nothing much there to talk about. But <laughs> I what just I want to th- play it someday. What I think's going on here is, is that I think they're just highlighting the fact that Tyrion comes from a whole different world than these people. These people come from a whole different world than he does, and they really have nothing to talk about. Uh, and that's just a reality. They're slaves. They have no lives. They have no social lives. They are always doing somebody's bidding. They don't know anything of of the of the the joy that Tyrion has known throughout his life. I'm not saying Tyrion's had a fucking cakewalk. We know he hasn't. He shot his dad, who's taking a shit with a I crossbow. Mean, that doesn't sound that hard. He strangled his woman. Okay, so I understand. It he has, sounds like those people had tough lives because of Tyrion. No, well, no, I'm just kidding. I love make Tyrion. the bed your light. Whatever that expression is, <laughs> I don't even know what the fuck to say. No, but I bang the whore in your no kill the whore in your dad's bed. That's a good. That's one. the expression. So that's kind of what's going on here. Not not a lot. We're just talking about them getting to, them not understanding each other, and uh, you know, a noble child born to the powerful Tyri, uh, Tywin versus being born a slave. That's the difference, and that's what we highlight. But in breaks Varys with the news. I like that Varys can like make a group of people who are so awkward together not awkward. Like I feel like Varys is somebody who's like so good at being a buffer and like communicating between people. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Like you know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah, do yeah. you feel like like this is so awkward because Varys isn't here? And if Varys was here, it would not be as awkward. Right. Like I kept thinking that the whole time when Varys came in, it was like, oh thank God, Varys is here because he can talk to commoners the same way he can talk to royalty. He right. He's one of those people who can find common ground with everybody. Sure. Which. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. In the chat, uh, uh, Jamel Mybell says, I love that they're humanizing Grey Worm and Missandei and showing their transition from being enslaved to free. That's actually a good angle. Uh, and it shows you how out of touch with somebody who has the social niceties of night of life. That's, that's, so that's, that's an interesting thought there. They don't, that's a, that's a good angle. Maybe the angle isn't just that it's Tyrion, and he's awkward and he's going to have trouble with these people. But maybe the angle is, is that they're now don't understand how to hold a conversation with the fucking guy because they've been slaves. So that's a right. good point. I didn't think about it that way. But Astapor, Yunkai, and Volantis, all funding the Sons of the Harpy, three rich foreign cities. Right. Of course, Masande and Grey Worm want to crush them. The only language they speak, of course, being violence. And Tyrion says that is possible, but conversation first. So... This was a little anticlimactic to me. Yeah, I just wanted to say that Mike Hilliger in the chat said I was hoping for a much bigger reveal from Varys or at least a more specific one. I agree. Mm-hmm. Like I watched all of that for the reveal to be the rich people from the other cities Danny conquered or funding Sons of the Harpy. I could have guessed that. Right. I would have assumed that that was the case. Uh, like when we when we are goofing off and saying, oh, what if Dario is uh, the Sons of the Harpy guy or, or Miss Indy or one of those people. But obviously their money's coming from somewhere and, and it's... And it's not unrealistic that these people who were crushed by the Khaleesi who are still around are going to work against her and have money. That doesn't surprise me at all. Right. I don't know if the sheer volume of how many cities are backing this is what we have going on here. It's possible that this plays directly into the stuff with Khaleesi where she's going to require the Dothraki to tame these cities once again. 
But I don't think the viewers or the readers want to go through her reconquering all these cities nope. all over again. And that's why I think Tyrion gives pause here, because I think what's going to happen is he says, not yet. There's going to be some kind of stealth chicanery, maybe some sort of diplomacy. I don't know. Something's going to happen that's just not outright war in the streets. It may be a couple of key assassinations, maybe a couple of little birds deliver a couple of poison. I don't know. But I think they're going to have to go about it in a different way that gives Varys and Tyrion something to do. Because that's what we want ultimately, right? Missandei and Grey were not main characters, so we don't need to see them doing as much. We need to see how they supplement the plots. Tyrion is a main character. He needs shit to do here. And with Dario gone and Jorah gone, he has to do shit here. And I think he can't commit to some kind of, we're going to crush Astapor, Yunkai, and Volantis with the Unsullied. He's not a battle commander. We understand that. He's going to have to figure out how to fix this the way Tyrion knows how to fix shit, and that's with his fucking brains. And I think we're going to see some work by him and Varys here on how they're going to quell this or at least shut it down. And I think that's... I, I want to see that. I'm interested. Okay. Yeah, that's what I got there. Ha! Next! So, I just want to point how this ends. Tyrion talks about Varys' little bird, and Varys says, hey, you can't trust men, but you can always trust birds. And then we're going to cut to... Kyburn was a bunch of kids. Mm. Hmm. So if you recall, Kyburn was declared the new master of whisperers. Yeah. He's also a creep. But that has nothing to do with anything. I just wanted to say it. Right. He is a creep. But I kind of like him. Yeah. I like that he's like killing children's abusive parents so they don't abuse them anymore. Like I'm pretty into that. I think that's a pretty cool thing to do. Anybody that Grandmaster Pycelle doesn't like, I just like. That's my instinct. That's how much I hate Pycelle. He's the worst. Myself. I the can't wa- wait. The way he feels about Kyburn makes me think that Kyburn must be okay. <laughs> that's how that's how little I trust Pycelle in his opinion of anything. He's just blowing all the wrong people, this Pycelle character. Now, Kyburn is talking about his little birds, uh, apparently one with a rough father. That father is now gone. Okay, I get it. So there's they're they're showing him not only help these children, but maybe use that manipulation to his advantage to where he can see, we see how he gains the favor of these quote unquote little birds. Yeah, I'm down on this. Not what he's doing, but I'm down on the fact that we've been hearing about these birds and the whispers for all this time and this is it. Did you this literally what the think little they were birds? birds? Were? No, but I liked it. I know what you mean, young friend. I wanted it to be like Snow White. I wanted the birds to sing and dress Varys in the morning. (laughs) Some Disney shit. Somebody said that on Facebook. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry if I accidentally stole it. What's this? The Kingslayer's fucking his sister in the tower? Can you please dress me, little birds? (laughs) Help me with my little turn boots. He wears some little bootsies that I love. Listen, I'm I, Saracen boots. <laughs> I did not think that the birds were actually birds, but I liked that it was something mysterious and being told, oh, birds are actually little children and, you know, Varys gives them candy and they do shit for him. Big turn off for me. Not a fan of this reveal. Don't want to know. Mm. Don't like it. Don't like it. Don't like it. I like it. Ugh, I hate it. But it's very much, it's, it's real British. Is it? It's British as shit. What can we do for you? We'll right. help you, right. little British poor children. Kids. Yeah, running spread, around, and, yeah. spread gossip. Yeah, you know those kind, the little fucking dirty ones Different from all over from American twist. children. Yeah, running around together, stealing hats and shit. 
Yeah, they're just up to shenanigans. All right. I hate this. Here's what I think about this, what I, what I like. I don't doubt that Varys lost control of these children, right? Yeah. So he still has information that's getting to him. It's, it's, more, it's more than children. I don't think we were supposed to take this as this big, shocking it reveal. It better be more than children, or I would be very pissed at Game of Thrones. Yeah. I mean, whatever. We'll see. Yeah, whatever. But yeah. I got to be honest with you, right? If you're a child, how do you trust someone like Varys? I, I mean, look at him. if he gives him. you candy. He just looks like he's a sex offender. Just look at him. They don't know about sex offenders in Westeros. Mm. Siblings bang each other. It's just, they might now. The High Sparrow yeah. might be into, yeah. you know, sex offender knowledge. But before that. Yeah. Well, Tamara says it's perfect. Nobody pays attention to these kids. They are entertaining themselves and playing while adults are talking. It is true that a kid could come and tell you all the secrets of Westeros. And you'd be like, okay, honey, have a piece of cake before you go to bed. Or whatever you, you say to children, I don't know. I've got some yummy plums. Delicious plums. They're right here under my Candied robe. Candied plums. Ew, you know what? Dean. That's what Kyburn says. But you know what, though? I think maybe maybe, uh, maybe your main man there, the guy you're madly in love with, that creep, Which one? Littlefinger. His yeah, he's birds, on the list. I got a couple his, other men. His birds are the, uh, are, the, are the horse. So they all got, those are the people that hear shit. They see shit. That's true. Mm, they I have, miss him. And he's coming back next week. I can't wait. Oh, my God. Littlefinger. Yay. Enter Cersei, Jamie, Sir Gregor, or Sir Robert Strong. Or what, Frank and Matt. Why do we call him Robert Strong? That's what they call him in the book. Oh, because I've never gotten that, and I'm, I was embarrassed I think in the book ask. they don't make... I think, in the, I think in the book it's not completely obvious that he's the Frankenmountain, but I don't know. It's pretty obvious in the show, though. Anyway, Jamie examines uh, Gregor for a minute and uh, wonders why Sir Gregor isn't crushing the Faith Militant, and Cersei chimes in. Sir Gregor can't face them all. He won't have to. He will only face one. Love this. Really, this is the best part of the entire King's Landing, as far as I'm concerned, is getting a little next time on Game of Thrones. At some point, we're going to see a trial by combat. Faith Militant versus the Mountain. Sure. Good God, let it be Lancel Lannister, or my Deadpool is in a lot of trouble. That's going to be a quick fight. I know, but I feel like it... I haven't seen Lance Lannister all season. You think he's just doing push-ups and shit and ready? I think that the actor is doing a movie somewhere else and I might never see him again. And I'm very concerned. We could have our very own Rocky story here. I mean, you got Frank and Mountain like Ivan Drago. <laughs> totally <laughs> unstoppable, <laughs> <laughs> right? Fucking Lance Lannister growing a beard, lifting up carts of his family in the snow. Running up the steps of the freaking high steps. I don't know. I guess. He just imagines... The Franken Mountain killing his friends, oh right? Just like what happened to Apollo Creed. <laughs> He's like just pushing. I love that Rocky movie. I don't even care. It's so good. So I guess there's going to be a trial about combat. Combat. Cersei continues to order the little birds out everywhere. She wants to hear. She wants to know who and where they are. If someone is laughing at the queen who walked through the streets naked, covered in shit. I want to know who they are. Yeah. Well, Cersei's back in form. I was totally wrong. Yeah, you were. And, yeah, you uh, were. I think this is awesome. So it's going to be a trial by combat. Can't wait. Lancel versus the Mountain. Go me. Lancel's Why would it be Lancel? I don't know because I just feel like it has to be because where First is he First of been? all, who's on trial for what? I don't know, but I just need Lancel to oh die. Oh, God. Jesus fucking I, it's going to be the Faith Militant versus the Crown. Right. Okay. I suppose. So it's going to be the Mountain versus Lancel. Because we don't know any other Faith Militant so, enough for them to go into battle and for us to care. 
the faith militant can name a champion, but that champion has to accept, correct? They can't order a champion. Yeah. And what's going to happen is High Sparrow is probably going to be like, oh my God, I can't ask anybody to die for me. Wah, wah. And Lance is going to be like, I'll do it, bro. Because I banged Cersei once and I still need to atone. Well, who hates Cersei enough to volunteer for that cause? Also, Lancel. Mm. Because they banged one time when he used to have long hair. Interesting. And also, he killed Robert Baratheon. I don't know. Yeah, Cersei's going to go to trial, demand trial by combat, and then I don't know what's going to happen. We'll see. I'm very, I'm very much looking forward to that, though. I just have no clue where that's going or who it's going to be. So let's talk about the small council. Let's meeting. go. So Pycelle running his mouth as usual. This crying about Kyber. Fucking human filth. I hate this guy. I know you do. He calls Gregor an abomination. I was not consulted. I say we destroy this creature. But something exciting happens at the small council before we even see the Franken Mountain, which is the following. One, Elena Tyrell. Love her. Love seeing her on screen. Absolutely. Two, we pan around and there's Kevin Lannister. Oh, hey, what's up, bro? Kevin Lannister's. I'm back here. He hates Cersei. I can't I, stand this bitch. I never liked her. I don't like my brother. I don't even want to be here. I just want to go march in a parade and be fabulous. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what's going on with Kevin, but he's not down with Cersei. I like the way he handles her, though. So Pycelle farts. He shits his pants. Okay, <laughs> Can we just throw it out there, guys? He farts, according to the television. Shits his pants. He's old. You don't just fart anymore. You shit yourself at that age. That's a that's know. science. All I know is the first time we were watching this episode, we watched it with friends of ours, and we're like, "Did did he just fart? Like, what just <laughs> happened?" And then there I am rewatching it with the closed captions on, and it tells me that he farted. Yes. Oh, okay. Oh yeah, <laughs> sure. Out of fear, I mean, he lost control of his bowels. Oh, for sure. When he saw Wouldn't you, Sir Robert. No, Psh, you don't even get it, bro. You we were talking know. shit about the Franken Mountain, and then he arrived. Whatever, I totally fucked that dude up, bro. You don't even understand me. You don't even know my skills. You ever heard of Arthur Dane? Psh, he sucks. Some way better. No, yeah, he shit his pants. That's great. It's perfect because I it's hate worse. him. It's He's great. the worst. He's the worst character. So Elena is there. Cersei still thinks she's the queen. <laughs> Which is hilarious. Oh, do I ever <laughs> love this moment? where Elena talks about the queen's imprisonment and Cersei's like, I'm so glad somebody finally cares about my imprisonment. And Elena's like, "Uh, bitch, slow your roll. You're actually not the queen dummy. Love her. Just love her. Cersei in this moment is fucking out of her mind. Why does she for a second think that anyone, I mean, she's just being, she's being Cersei, right? This is a Cersei move. She's not delusional, right? We didn't totally lose her to I hope she's not delusional. Okay. So anyway, Ken, Kevin wonders why they are here. He wonders why Jamie is there. He doesn't belong in the small council. And then Jamie says, well, I am the Lord Commander of the King's Guard, and I do have a place in the small council. And then Cersei's like, let's fact check this bitch. And they get all fucking lawyerly. They get and all lawyered Cersei up right here. Cersei sits down, and I wanted to say, Cersei, even if Jamie is allowed in the small council, you are not. Mm. You're not. You should have just left and let Jamie stay there and spy for you, and then maybe they would have kept talking. They bring up a name here, and this is important. It is. Yes. They say, so uh, the King's Guard does have a place in the small council. Cersei looks to Pycelle for this confirmation of the statement, and he, of course, confirms, and he brings up the name Sir Gerald Hightower. Sir Gerald Hightower. Sounds like a football uh, player. This might enter spoilery territory, so I don't want to say anything. We'll save it for a post-credit talk. But this name matters, and we'll get to it later, okay? So we'll have a post-credit little chit-chat. We'll talk a little bit about Arthur Dane and Hightower. It's nothing major. We don't want people to give us a bunch of one-star reviews. Yeah, I don't want to. (laughs) Spoil shit. 
<laughs> wah, wah. <laughs> it says spoilers contained right in the show notes on every show we do. Yeah, suck it. Yeah, suck it. Um, anyway, Cersei asks Kevin about Dorne. Don't you find the murder of your own blood troublesome? He doesn't even respond to this. Cersei tries to conduct the meeting. Let's get on with it. And Kevin says, no, unless you're going to murder all of us, we are leaving. And he gets up and defiantly, for the second time, walks out of a Cersei-led small council. Love it. Can we talk a little bit about what his problem is? He hates Cersei. Why? Because she's an awful human being. Okay, fair enough. I, I mean, <laughs> does he need more Care reason? to qualify that response? What has she done that's so awful? Where do I start? I don't know. Give me something. You got nothing. Well, she had sex with her brother. Who What's pushed so a kid bad out about the window? What's, what? And then she let Joffrey roll and encouraged him to be How shitty. does her fucking Jamie And she wanted Ned Stark beheaded. Huh? How does her fucking Jamie hurt you personally? Because every time I tell somebody to watch this TV show, they watch one episode <laughs> and they're like, oh God, there's incest. I don't know if I can continue. Oh, it's so hard. It's so fucked up. They, they've really messed me up with that. Like, couldn't they have saved their incest till episode two? And then yeah. I'd already have people hooked and I wouldn't have to explain away. I'm going to say something really weird fucking. here. But we, that's, we find that like so, uh, and look, I agree. But it's, it's a total weird thing because the, the Targaryens did that. In fact, Rhaegar Targaryen would have married one of his siblings, but didn't have any. So they had to go looking and that's how they found El- El- Elia Bartel. But um, yeah, I, but they have objectively no problems with it. That's what I'm saying. Objectively, what is the issue? Outside of if you're going to have kids, there's a chance they're fucked up. I just think that it's weird. Yeah. But I mean, no, I know, but I'm love, just saying there's no, you can, you can argue about the objectivity of going after children who can't defend themselves or can't make the right choices, blah, blah, blah. But two consenting adults, it's funny that we objectively have an issue with it. I don't objectively. I'm cool. If you want to be incestuous, then more power to you. <laughs> but you but, just said. No, I'm just saying other people don't want to watch the show because there's incest. That's what they don't like. They're like, oh, there's murder and like rape and awful things. But like, but that incest, oh, it's so hard. Yeah. It's I hear so you. gross. It's pretty I'm gross. Like, it's, it's cool. It just happens. It's just two siblings who shared a womb and now they share their love for each other. Yeah. That's what I say. It sounds poetic when you put it that way. And I'm reconsidering this whole Targaryen thing. <laughs> We're team in. We're team incest over here. I am not pro incest. You chat. The people in the chat are making We're, lies about We're pro about love. Me. Okay. No. If you're in love and you want to bang your sibling as long as they love you back and it's consensual. Just do me a favor and pull We're out. In. Can you pull out? Because I don't want to fucking pay for that. If someone in the chat has sex with their sibling. Like, come on. But then go I'm ahead. people. I'm not making moral judgments here. I'm not pro in I'm not pro incest. I'm just saying that should, objectively I can't figure it out. We should probably cut that part out of the real podcast no. where I said <laughs> go incest. <laughs> oh, fuck. Richard, like one day someone like oh. at my work is gonna find this and listen to it and it's gonna be yeah. real awkward. I mean, Joffrey turned out good. Yeah, jo- Marcella was sweet and kind. Yeah, look at that thing she of was beauty. Fine. Look at that thing of I mean, beauty. Tom is a little puss and Purely Joffrey didn't murder prostitutes, yeah. but it's fine. You come on. You telling me you guys wouldn't have Tommen over your house huh? for a couple of muffins? You wouldn't want Tommen playing with your kids at his age? You'd be like, that Tommen boy is so good. I don't even care that his mom is his aunt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? Mando Tori, Mad King, great guy. He's a stand-up guy. You're all wrong about Rhaegar, though. 
We'll get to that. Right, well, who's wrong? Nobody thinks he's a bad guy anymore. We're all into Frank <sighs> cool dude. So for the record, I'm not pro-incest. I'm just saying it's an objective oddity in yeah, our lives. For the record, we're not pro or anti-incest. We have no <laughs> opinion on it. We are totally PC, <laughs> and we have nothing to say about the topic. Perfect. All right, moving right along. <laughs> so Kevin bounces. Another they strong all bounce. move. They all bounce. They all follow suit. Including Mace Tyrell, who, how did he make it back from Bravos once uh, What's-His-Face was murdered by Arya? Right. Like, what did he do? Was he like, oh, shit, like, I better go back? Say that again. Like, what did he do? The whole thing. Start over. Oh, Mace Tyrell was off in Bravos with uh, freaking Marin Trant. Yep. And then Arya murdered Marin Trant. And like, was Mace Tyrell like, what the fuck? Like, what do I do? This guy's murdered. I better sneak back. Did he not know what to do? I feel like there would have been a lot of confusion on his part. Yeah. He doesn't seem like somebody who can take care of himself. No. Although, you know, when I fell into the Game of Thrones Thrones rabbit hole today, one of the things that I was reading about was Robert's Rebellion. And Mace Tyrell sieged Storm's End, which is where Stannis was. So... When Stannis was under siege for a long time, it was the Tyrells who were sieging them, which is a pretty crazy story. And that's when, when uh, that's how Davos came to be because they had no food and he smuggled onions. Yeah. That's why they called him the Onion, Onion Knight. Onions and some other stuff, fish and onions, I think it was, into into the, the area. And that's how they were able to stay alive. And the siege was really bad and Stannis was stuck. And then I think what happened was is that uh, Ned was came and broke that siege late, and that's when Ned goes to the Tower of Joy. There, it's him leaving from Storm's End. He just lifted the siege that Stannis was under, so Ned helped uh, helped liberate Stannis, who was hunkered down in that castle and defending it from Tyrells. Pretty cool. I still think Mace Tyrell is so useless. Yeah, oh, I can assure you, he wasn't out there with his fat little belly and his silly. I just want to say how Stark remembers in the chat said when I said he was useless and he had to take care of himself said he's had to put on his own costume at the Ren Fair before he can take care of himself. <laughs> so sorry how Stark remembers. You're right. How Stark Mace Tyrell makes can a point. take care of himself. That's sure. Real well. Sure can. So let's talk about Tommen and the High Sparrow. Yes. Mm. Let's the, just get right to this. Tommen is listening to what he's this guy listening. is saying because the High Sparrow is an incredibly good manipulator. He's talking good about Cersei. Oh, your mother, the gods work through her. She just doesn't know, blah, 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 all this bullshit. And Tommen is naive and he is listening. He is listening. Are Tommen and Cersei going to end up at odds with each other? I mean, I already thought that was going to happen because of Marjorie, but apparently the High Sparrow is going to make it happen. Yeah. Yeah. Little Tommen sitting there. He pretends to be tough, doesn't he? He's got his king's guards there. But the High Sparrow makes the first gesture by dispensing with the Faith Militant. And then he turns and does that Jedi hand gesture and they all turn and they walk away. And, uh, you know, Tommen's pissed. He comes at him with a little bit of fire. He lacks the conviction. He lacks the, he lacks the stick to itness that his brother Joffrey did. Right. And, and people in the chat are saying, oh, there must have been a plan between Tommen and Cersei. And, and maybe that's the case, but I don't think so. I really think that Tom and maybe Cersei said, go talk to the High Sparrow. And Tom's like, I'm going to do that and I'm going to be tough. But Tommen is so easily molded to listen to everything everybody tells him. It's unbelievable. And someone in the chat, oh, Mike Hilger says he only agrees with the person he literally talked to last. And I agree. Because he's because he's very malleable. Like he's easy to, to manipulate. Easy to manipulate. And the High Sparrow can manipulate him. Yeah. 
dude, he is how old? Call it 12. I, but, um, I, let's call let's him 14. Let's pretend he's 14 because yeah, he had he, sex he with an adult Marjorie. and that's weird if you call him all right, 12. We'll, we'll call him 16. 14 seems real. Oh, I was going to give him 14 and say that's reasonable. Yeah. All right. Fine. Whatever. <laughs> so, uh, and I know don't, don't chat. Don't, don't tell me they're 12 in the book. I don't want to hear what the fuck they're No one on the wants book. to think about a 12 year old yeah. having sex you with Marjorie. You bunch of sickos. Sorry. Incest we're fine <laughs> with, but not 12 year olds having we sex with Marjorie. We have standards on this podcast. We have podcast. standards. If you want to bang your sister, I'm just saying objectively, I don't you have a problem. You have to be at it. least 14. <laughs> Shit. I'm in so much trouble for this podcast. I think we need to oh cut all of this. It's not, none of this is getting cut. Ah, uh, standards. Oh, a lot of people are going to give us bad reviews now. Standards here. Oh, they this do. This podcast likes incest. One star. I wish I could give it zero. <laughs> I wish I could kill them. Okay. So, uh, yeah, man, I don't know. I, it's, um, he's very easy to manipulate, but the high sparrow is a man with a lot of conviction. He has an old, kind, gentle face, despite some curious eyebrows. <laughs> and he is really getting to Tom in here. He's really getting to him. He's saying that he, he dismisses his guards you know, her love for you is more real and other things of such. He tells Tommen that he knows this because it wasn't, it doesn't come from this world. So he's talking about how much your mommy loves you. Your mommy really loves mommy you, kid. loves you and it's because of the your, gods. Your mommy has a love for you that only the gods could have given her. He convinces the kid to sit down. He talks about how he doesn't know anything about that love. Huh, there's one of my other sins, envy, right? So he's putting some blame on himself a little, knocking himself down a peg so Tommen feels more comfortable. And... I don't. I know he's manipulating the kid because he's standing there, and despite what he thinks, the High Sparrow doesn't want to die, and he can talk about his clean conscience and his powerful religion and everything else, but if a gold cloak jammed his sword into his belly, or a king's guard, whatever the fuck, jammed a sword into his belly, he would be not wanting to die. So he's manipulating him a little bit. He knows he has to. He's trying to be smart, and that's what I like about this. He's He's... He's getting to the kid. He's making it hard on Tom and to just slaughter this guy outright. Right. Right. And then he says, there's so much good in people and the best we can do is help bring it out in each other. And when he sits the kid down, they're not standing at each other at odds. They're not standing across from each other. They sit down next to each other. There's a little sunshine on the bench and it's a nice, pleasant conversation. Really the high sparrow holding court and Tom and listening because Tom is a kid. Oh, uh, yeah. He doesn't know what to do. That's why a kid should not be king. He's going to put that right out there in the world and stand by it. He's sitting there and he's just hanging out, listening to this guy, totally enthralled, forgets every reason he came in there. He was more concerned about Cersei going to see Marcella than he, he never even brought up Marjorie. He didn't bring up any of that other shit. I know. Nothing about the faith militant. He just stopped dead in his tracks and started to listen. Unfortunately, this is going to be Tommen's downfall, I think. This naivety, this right. lack of conviction, this lack of will is going to be his downfall. He's the total opposite of Joffrey. Unfortunately, he did not land in the middle. Unfortunately, he understood Tywin's lessons in the Sept of Baelor, right? But he doesn't. He does. They When they were looking at, when they were at what? Joffrey? When they're standing there, Joffrey's corpse, they were looking. He, he, he understood those lessons, but he's not putting them into practice. And uh, I don't know. I don't know. I Cersei, 
It'd be hard to see Tommen in, at odds with Cersei, and I don't think the High Spire would play that angle, especially based on the way he says she loves you so much. Yeah, he's trying to say that this is for Cersei's good, too. Right. This is what the High Sparrow's trying to say. And I know people in the chat are saying that Tommen and Cersei have this plan, and that would be great, but I don't think that Tommen has enough gumption <laughs> yeah. to do something like this. Maybe he does, and maybe I'm wrong, and that would be great, but I don't have a lot of faith in him right now. Yeah, I'm not sure how this is going to play out. I guess it's going to play out by way of trial. He went there, they stopped, they shut it down, now we're going to get on with a trial, it's going to become a trial of combat, and I don't know what's going to happen. I'm really I'm pretty clueless. pretty sure the Franken Mountain is going to kill somebody if I had that guess, <laughs> but that's just that's me. Sh- that seems like a safe Just bet. me. Yeah, I wouldn't want to fight a fucking zombie knight. Me neither. Especially when that big. Well, the harsh tutelage of Arya. Let's do it. Bravos, as I call it. Bravos. The girl with no name recounts Arya's family as she's asked. I got to tell you, I liked this week. I liked this week with Arya. I thought they did a good job. I liked how we got training, but also information. Things happened. It wasn't just like I got smacked in the face with a stick and now we wait. It wasn't a waiting game. Things occurred. They talk about some of her family members. And she's told they may be dead for all a girl knows. They discuss the hound. Aristoc left him to die. Why didn't she want him dead any longer? She did and she did not. She sounds confused. She was. So a nice little banter back and forth here. And can we point out to the fact that when she says she has four brothers, that's a lie. Yeah. She she says she has a sister Sansa and then she says she has four brothers. What's your name? Sansa, like you like to say. Sansa. And she's immediately smacked for it. And she changes it and she has three brothers and a half brother. But I think it's interesting that she's immediately, I think that that's a little hint, a little hinty hint that Jon Snow is not really her brother, but her cousin. You think that's like a meta thing? I mean, she, it's right. It is a half brother. Yeah, I know, but I still think it was a little... Well, right as wink, far as she knows. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge to us. Yeah. Like, oh, that was for us, I think. I think you're probably right. Love the stuff about the hound. They talk about the list as well, how uh, Gregor... Cersei and Walder Frey are on it. They can't be everyone. That can't be everyone you want to kill. Which name would you like a girl to speak? This is important. Yes. Because now it's not that she has her death list because when bitchy girl who I don't care what her name is. She has no name. She wants, exactly. She wants Arya to be willing to add names to her list based on whatever everybody else wants. That anybody could be on Arya's death list because... Arya's no one. She's not Arya Stark with that same initial death death list. You know Mm. what I mean? And Mm, I I think that that's interesting. The fact that that's what they wanted from her. Which name would you like a girl to speak? Mm. She'll put anybody on there because she's no one. That's interesting to me. It's awesome. Uh, I'm not buying it until I see her cast Needle away. I agree. And when we were watching the episode the first time, Dean kept saying that, was that going to happen? Was she going to throw Needle? And she didn't. And until she does, I agree. Uh, Arya Stark is not no one and she will never be no one. I will not fall for that shit until... A girl needs to make up her fucking mind. So she continues to make progress with the staff. If a girl tells me her name, she'll get her eyes back and she doesn't. And then he says, come with me. She sniffs these different jars, which I guess is maybe... What was she doing here? I don't know. Was this the stuff that she used to get her eyesight back? Was it some kind of fucking crazy potion? Was it a... I'm not 100% sure. Was it a poison she's mixing for some victim? I'm not sure what it was. Was it just a sensory test? Was he saying, okay... All right, now if you I can quizzed tell you. That this is salt, then Mason you can jar have three eyes, is the pepper. You're wrong. They do that on like cooking reality shows to see if like you're a good chef. You just have to taste stuff and see if you know what it is. You're trailing. You got to speak up, girl. 
Anyway, this will probably tell you how I feel about the Bravos plot is that I liked when Aria was talking about her past life and coming to terms with things like her feelings for the hound. Yes. But I have no clue what the fuck she was doing when she was sniffing stuff. And I don't really care. I don't even care that she got her eyesight back, except that there's not going to be any more annoying blind stuff. I care. I think this was a good. I think I thought that the Ari stuff was good this week. I'm back on board. I'm ready to see what's going to happen. I need to. I need to see something happen though. I need to her to be involved in the main plot somehow. There's a lot of speculation, and this came up on our Facebook chat about uh, what if she got tasked with going after Jon Snow because he came back from the dead, and the faceless men are against that. Oh my god! If that was I her charge not. to assassinate him, and there's a lot of speculation about stuff like that. So I don't know. I started. I I I think that's fun theory to talk about. It's pretty cool. Another theory is is that. We know that the Iron Bank is at Bravos. We know that they are the Crown is into the Iron Bank for a lot of money. Tywin Lannister owed money to the Crown. Although I think did 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 the Tyrell guy just go pay it off for him? I don't know. He might have gone there to do it, but then when Marin Tran died and he panicked and didn't know what else to do, he may not have made his payment. I don't know. He was going to, and then he just started doing really bad singing with lots of vibrato about times of yesteryear. Yeah, singing exactly. in the streets. Shakespeare I guess I don't know my 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 guess is that he went and paid them off so I don't think they're sending any assassins so I don't know I I'm I gotta be honest with you I have no idea where she's going where she's going to end up me neither but it better be somewhere good in the next episode or I'm gonna be back on the anti-aria bandwagon the chat saying that uh, Tyrell was sent to negotiate better terms perhaps and my guess is is that if he did that I do remember him going to Bravos to talk to the Iron Bank on behalf of the Lannisters in the Crown. So I'm assuming that that's not the problem here. I don't think they're going to send somebody out. But we do know that the Faceless Men are supposedly great assassins. There's been no real confirmation of that in the show yet. That's true. Except that they they killed that guy. They were going to kill that guy who was... Remember that, that she didn't kill because she got distracted by Marin Trant. So we know that they... Oh, yeah, they were going to kill that creepy skinny man. Yeah. Maybe a man should eat more. And Cyril Florell was a really good person at teaching people how to fight with a sword. And one time, Jock and Hagar killed a bunch of people so Arya could escape. Yeah. That's that's it. That's all we got. Right. We don't know. And Cyril Florell and Jock and Hagar are the same person. So, because they're all the same person because they're no one. Yeah. You know what I mean? I know what you mean. But, um, well, I think if you're a good enough assassin guild, people don't know you're an assassin guild. So, I guess that's part of it. But I'm looking forward to it. I wonder what's going to happen. They wouldn't just put on other people's faces to move around them and be disguised for nothing. They don't do it for kicks. So I wonder where she will end up, but I hope she ends up somewhere soon. Me too. Let's move over to Winterfell. Where I hope Arya somehow ends up and kills a bunch of fools. I hope everybody kills fools. So let's talk about Lord Umber and Ramsay. I love Ramsay. Why Why do you have to pronounce (laughs) things in ways that make me mad? (laughs) No Sansa this week. You already said it one time and someone in the chat said they were on drink every time you say it. But she wasn't in the episode. Yes, that's true. That's what I mean. No Sansa. And still no Littlefinger. And no Jorah. Of my three main men, who now I have a new one on the list, Tormund Giantsbane. He's now in my my top three of my main men. Jorah, Tormund, and uh, Littlefinger. Mm -hmm. Those are my men. Only one of them was in this episode. Yeah. Well, that's sad. Let's talk about the Winterfell part of this episode. (laughs) Okay. People don't care about why the people I'm sad to not see. Jeez. I don't think so, to be honest with you. Well, yeah, Davos, he's on my list too, Mandatory. I'm sorry, how did, could I forget him? He was in this episode. He's the man. 
he's slowly becoming number one sometimes in my list. We're probably going to talk about him next, so keep it in your pants there, cowboy. All right, I'll, I'll try. So Ramsey and Lord Umber hold counsel together. He tells him his father was a cunt, says it twice. That's why you killed him. Ramsey's like, he was poisoned by our enemies. Him? <laughs> and then Umber likes fighting wildlings. He's been doing it all my life, all me life. And then he reminds them that if Jon Snow is leading the armies, they can take Winterfell. So Ramsey tells Umber that if he swears loyalty to him, he'll help him. And then Umber says, I ain't fucking kneeling. I'm not kissing your ring. Ain't kissing no rings, bitch. But I do have a present for you. Now this is, there was all the speculation. I thought it was maybe going to be Theon and he was going to die this week. Um, Props to John Marginson who called this. Yeah, seriously. Because people, when John Marginson said this and when people were discussing this, I thought, no way. I thought we were never going to see Rickon again, to be honest with you, because the way the show made Rickon disappear, but they weren't, it wasn't like when Bran left, they were like, hey, you're not going to see Bran for a season. Like we're telling you right now, it was nothing. It was radio silence on Rickon. Like, and here he is again. He got captured right Super before his- Super fucking old. He got captured right before his 37th birthday. Apparently. I mean, he looks older than Bran. <laughs> and and it, <sighs> by the way, props to, um. hold on, let me pull up my Deadpool so I can- see who did this um props to nathan tamulus who picked osha in his deadpool fuckery like everybody was probably like yeah that's hilarious we'll never see osha again but here she is likely gonna die it was a good it was a really good that was pick a great by pick because i think he was surmising that the fact that they have to start tying this shit up now so it was a uh, pretty solid I don't like it. Too much, too much thought put into that. Yeah, I my, trust. My I, I right trust now. him that there was no fuckery. I'm just saying, like, damn, that was a good pick because I definitely think she's gonna die this season for sure. And yeah. who would have thought to even pick her? You think oh she's dead for sure? Yeah, why wouldn't she be at this? I mean, really, how's she gonna make it out alive? I don't know. I guess we'll find out. Th- this was a threesome, and one of them's already dead here. So the cutest of the three. So, <laughs> Jamie. Jamel Nipel says, Rick and I have to take a break to film that whack-ass movie, San Andreas. Is he really in that? Oh, my God. Him and The Rock. They said they needed somebody in their mid-30s, so he auditioned. (laughs) (laughs) Good Lord. All right, so Rick on's back, and so is Osha. So what's going on here? The Umbers are very, very strong allies of House Stark. House Stark is no more. Is this a ruse by Lord Umber? Is it is it him saying, look, war makes for strange bedfellows and I need to befriend Ramsay. I'm not going to bend the knee. However, I will offer him this gift. What's going on here? The Starks are gone. And maybe the Umbers were big fans of the Starks, but he just talked about his dad being dead and how he didn't respect his dad. Mm-hmm. So I have the feeling that this guy's a young douche just like Ramsay. Wow. Just like that, huh? Honestly, yeah. That's what I think. I think that this, so you think this guy is like a, a Ramsey lover? Or, so what does that Not mean? Not necessarily. That. I, I don't, don't think he's a Ramsey lover. I just think he's maybe not anti-Stark, anti, I don't know. I, I don't know. Here's what I think. I think that this guy's in a really bad spot. He has a house, not a gigantic house, but a house that was allies of Winterfell and the Starks, and they're gone. And now Ramsey's in command, and Ramsey's a fucking psycho killer. He just murdered Roose Bolton. Roose Bolton was part A in the fucking Red Wedding, which was a Walder Frey, Tywin Lannister thing. And he's in a weird position here, right? You can't just up and move all your lands. So he's living where Ramsay has proclaimed that he is the Warden of the North. 
He's about to if he hasn't yet. But Roos was, and now it's going to be him. So you can't just ignore him if you're Lord Umber. You have to worry, look, what if the Boltons march on us? We're fucked. Sure. I don't really want to bend the knee because I'm rough around the edges. So I got to show my respect for this guy since I'm living here. He can't just... I think there's some survival thinking going on here. Nothing about the way this guy acted made me think this was about survival. You know, so what does that mean? I, I don't, I don't know what it is. I, I can't figure out exactly what his end game is. You don't is. think he's afraid of uh, Ramsey? Maybe he's looking for power, and he feels like if he aligns himself with Ramsey, he'll find power. I don't know what it is, but I don't think this loyalty from the Umbers to the Starks that this guy here lives by that. I don't, and nothing about the way he acted made me think that he was scared or that he was nervous or that he felt like he had to do this stuff with Ramsey. Maybe that he felt like he had to because it would be helpful to him. That's what I'm saying. But that. He was fearful. Like no, I not, think that he he's, he's moving into this as a partnership that's going to put him in power. Yeah, he wouldn't be fearful of Ramsey in Ramsey's face. He wouldn't show fear. But I'm thinking he's you. You think that he's trying to gain favor with Ramsey by by bringing him a gift? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe he can. Because if you he really, must not, he can't trust the Boltons, though. No, I'm not saying he trusts the Boltons. But if he really was a loyal person to the Starks, why in the world would he give up a Stark to Ramsay? That makes zero sense. Like this guy is not a good guy. No, I'm not suggesting that. And he's not by any means <clears throat> just like, oh, I'm so scared. I need to do something. I think that he's kind of a douche mm-hmm. because if he had a Stark. Why in the world would he give him to Ramsey when he could take this Stark and get the other houses against Ramsey and take Ramsey out? Yeah. Ramsey's losing his grip. There are more people who are anti-Ramsey than pro-Ramsey, I assume, at this point. Yeah, for sure, especially in the North. And there are certainly more people who are pro-Stark than pro-Bolton. So if you have a Stark who's mm-hmm. not with the Boltons, you wouldn't give him to the Boltons unless you wanted to form an alliance with them because you could use him and form an alliance with literally everybody else instead. That's a good point. Yeah, he could have, if he had a Stark, why bring why bring him in unless he had some kind of plan? But that's way too risky with a guy like Ramsey, you know? You don't know what the fuck Ramsey's going to do as soon as he gets his hands on these people, right? You'd fucking burn him tomorrow. So it's not some kind of, he's not being slick. He's, he's trying to gain favor with Ramsey based on the fact that he wants to. He just thinks that that's the right play right now for him. Right. Yeah. I don't think it's the right play, but that's cool. Yeah. I mean, imagine being in that area. You'd have to figure out how do I deal with the Boltons. If you're not big enough to fight them, you have to figure out how. But if you have a Stark, I think you can become big enough to fight them. So that's why I'm saying I don't think he's necessarily anti-Ramsey. No. Yeah. Like, that's the thing that's... But I, think it's, I don't think it it's that black and me. white to me. I think I think there's a more subtle that's thing That's what I'm saying. I'm there's saying more it, degrees of a relationship here. I'm saying it doesn't make sense to me because if you have a Stark that you can prove as a Stark mm-hmm. and you don't want to work with Ramsey, why in the world would you not say, we all fight for Rick on Stark now. He's the last Stark that we know of that's alive. Right. So he is the Warden of the North. Like, they don't know where Sansa is. She could be dead. Mm-hmm. Nobody has proof that she's alive, right? There's no proof that she's dead. I so know. So she's technically still... But a... there's also no proof that Arya's dead. But no one's, you Right, know. but she's irrelevant because Sansa is married to Ramsey. They're, they're wed by law. So technically... But males are are heirs before women. Right. So Rickon would be warden of the North over Sansa or yeah, her husband. I think, I think that, I think that is the law. I think if they know Rickon is alive, right? Right. And, and that's why I'm saying that this, this move, there's, there's more to it because it doesn't make sense. 
for them to say like, well, the Umbers love the Starks and they hate Ramsey and they're doing it because they're afraid. Like that doesn't make sense. That can't be why they're doing it. Because if you have a Stark, yeah, I'm not disagreeing. You can I'm mount just, the forces. I'm, to, pu- I'm putting theories forward. I'm trying to work it out in my head. I like the I, I like the idea that he's a bad guy. You know, in the chat they're saying maybe he's a Trojan horse to get close to Ramsey. That's too. That's too elaborate for, for me. Rickon. Yeah, because Ramsey could fucking, like I said, he could hang him tomorrow or chop his fucking face apart. Bran cries every day about being stuck in a cave. Like, Rickon's younger than him. You think he can be a Trojan horse? I don't know. Yeah. Mando Torrey suggested maybe use Rickon to lure Sansa, Sansa back. That's a good play, especially if you're trying to get Sansa back. But I don't, I don't see Sansa giving herself up for Rickon, but that's a good point. You know, if people start to hear that Rickon's alive, the heir of Winterfell lives, that's going to start to change things. Welcome home, Lord Stark. Hmm. The North remembers, but it hasn't hasn't so far. They say they remember, but they're not remembering much right now, especially when it comes to the House of Umber. They're just waiting for a Stark to come and take power, like Jon Snow slash Stark is going to do real soon. I like it. I like your theory on the Umber. I think that's a good play. He's young. He's brash. He wants power. He's plying uh, his pieces to get that power, but he's still showing that he's the man. He's not going to bend a knee to Ramsey. Yeah. Interesting. So that brings us to... Before we leave Winterfell. Oh, I'm sorry. Everybody get your shots ready. Uh, we must say a farewell to Shaggy Dog, the Dire Wolf. <laughs> <laughs> this is really sad for me, and I knew it was going to happen. When Ramsey said, how do I know he's a Stark? I said to Dean, they're going to bring in a dead dire wolf. And sure enough, that is what happened. Mm. And you know what I have to say? I'm sick of these dire wolves getting beheaded. This is the third one. Am I right? Yes. This is three now. Beheaded. Boosh. Thank God Ghost is still out in the world. And thank God who's still out in the world. Summer? Yeah. Did Arya have uh, a dire wolf? No. Uh, uh, Sansa's wolf got put down by yeah, Ned. Lady, lady. Beheaded yeah. by Ned. That's what I'm saying. Like, beheaded? No. Yes, sir. You think he chopped the dog's head off, he you weirdo? Did. No, he didn't. Oh, uh, chat room, stand by me about that dog getting decapitated. He didn't. He the chat did. room's drunk. They can't he, even answer anymore. No, he, he, he killed Bloater. He gave her a knife through the heart, probably. Down through uh, the neck into the I, heart. Heart shot. I think... Oh, Nymeria was in. Nymeria is off somewhere, and we don't know where Nymeria yeah, could he's, possibly he's be. Definitely, he definitely stabbed that dog. Mm. I remember just thinking, hike. It was a quick hike like that. And then uh, Lady was gone. I think he stabbed the dog with a kill shot in the neck. I think he decapitated it. I mean, it. In, the, in, the, in the heart or some shot. He stabbed her. Anyway, um, yeah, so raise your glasses for uh, poor departed Shaggy Dog. And I know there's theories out there about it's not the real Shaggy Dog. It's a fucking Trojan horseplay. It's not. It's Shaggy Dog. Sorry. It's dead. So at Castle Black, Jon Snow wakes up. He starts to panic. And Davos, like a gentleman, covers him with his cloak. Sorry, ladies. Well, sorry. I was still Googling how this uh, direwolf got killed and you moved on to the wall. I wasn't ready, but... He stabbed her. I don't know about that. Now, when asked what he remembers, he answers, they stabbed me. Ollie, he put a knife in my heart. He's very sad. Poor Jon Snow. He's sad here. There's a lot going on here with Jon Snow this week. Did you just blow by the almost full frontal of Jon Snow and I missed it again yeah. while I was Googling direwolves? Yeah, I said, sorry, ladies. He got put a cloak on by Davos, a gentleman. Davos was a gentleman, but let me tell you, it was close. Close, close. All right, Davos is a gentleman. Continue. So the Red Woman asked Jon Snow the question we all want to know. After they stabbed you, what did you see? Nothing, nothing at all. So that's wonderful. I think that that there's a lot of interesting stuff here. 
um, him remembering being stabbed, but then nothing afterwards. I think that's very depressing. And I think it depresses Melisandre at first. And then she totally bounces back and goes on her religion thing. Like, but no, the Lord of Light brought you back for a reason. And you're the prince I was promised. It wasn't Stannis. It was you. Like, she totally glosses over the fact that when John was dead, there was nothing. Mm -hmm. There was no Lord of Light. There was no whatever she thinks happens in the afterlife. Right. I also like that. First of all, when he says that Ollie put a knife in his heart, I wrote my notes figuratively and literally. So I just want to throw that out there. Ooh, um, wow. <laughs> One of the rare times somebody used the word literally correctly. <laughs> um, in John's net, when John says, I, I like that there's not a lot of dialogue and I watched the HBO afterwards thing and they said originally they had a lot of dialogue and they realized that there shouldn't be. And it, it makes the dialogue that's spoken very powerful. And to me, the most powerful line of the whole thing is I shouldn't be here. Mm. And that means a lot, I think, because... I shouldn't be here. It's just he was dead and he was brought back. It, it's against all normal things. I don't know. It makes me think about Buffy. Like whatever. I know that's. But they, they have this whole same plot line that if you're dead and you're brought back, it's not right. Like you don't belong there. Sure. This reminds me of the film Highlander. When uh, he first realizes he's an immortal, it's a great scene. You know, he gets died. He gets killed on the Scottish battlefield. And then he wakes up in the tent and then they shun him and they... They throw rocks and shit at him. They call him some kind of devil or demon, right? Because they're primitive. And they were like, something's wrong here. He shouldn't be back. And yeah, it's it's interesting that that's not happening with Jon Snow at all. Nobody's really, because it's a land of magic. So it's kind of an established paradigm that people can come back. Uh, you know, we know that Beric Dondarrion has come back many times. So it's out there. It's, still it's weird, in the lore. Though. It's still weird, but maybe that's why they're not fucking burning him. There, there's precedent for it, but at the same time... I'm sure how John must feel. and Of course. And I think that he, I think Kit Harrington, my God, from season one, where to be honest, he was not really a great actor, to now has really come into his own and, and into this character because I really felt that, that feeling of just total like disbelief. And, you know, Davos says to him, like, I'm shocked that you came back from the dead. I can only imagine how you feel. Yeah. And I think he did a good job with that. Sure. You were dead. Now you're not. Right. So so Davos right. comes after him. You're dead. No, you're not. Seems completely fucking mad to me. And uh, you go on, you fight as long as you can. And then Jon Snow laments that he failed. He doesn't know how. And Davos says, good, go fail again. I love this. And I love Davos. And that's why he's in my top four of men on this show right now. And I want Davos and Jon Snow to be the new bromance that happens. Yeah, he is amazing. Davos is a great character, and- right? As you know, I was never high on Davos. Oh, I know. Now I am. Yeah, well, people come around to my way of thinking eventually, slowly but surely. So, reunion time. Tormund greets John. I saw your pecker. What kind of god would have such a would have a pecker that small? I love this. Uh, it's so funny. It made me laugh out loud, and I just like Tormund's reaction. Like he's so happy to see his friend. He's got to make a stupid fucking joke because that's how he is, and. I like it. It's funny. It made me laugh. And then I love when he sees Ed Mm. and he just walks away to go hug him. And it just, this was wonderful. And he's talking about how he's looking into his deep liquid brown eyes. I see my reflection in your eyes, John. It's good to have you back. So I like this little reunion. I like that we get the Tormund reunion, the Ed reunion. It's, It's nice because these people were loyal to him. They stuck by him. Even after he was dead, you know, they sat with his body. They were willing to fight and go to war for him to give him, you know, 
what he deserved, I guess. Sure. Hold off on burning my body for now, he says. And uh, That was cute, too. A lot yeah. of cute stuff that went on here. This was kind of an adorable scene. Let's get to the crux of the matter, shall we? The execution of Alistair and his traitors. Let's do it. A lot of people waited a long time for this moment. <laughs> oh, yeah. Alistair gets all, I fought and lost. I picked the wrong side. He's so honorable. But you know, the more I think about this, the more I just think Alistair is such an honorable man. The way he betrayed and murdered the Lord Commander of the Night's Watch. What a loyal and, and strong man. A man you want to go into battle with that you don't have to worry about. And, Unless um, he stabbed you to death. Hey, here's what I'm going to say. Ollie gives John the real hate face. I, I just like the difference in everybody. The one guy's like, can you please tell my family I died fighting wildlings? And Alistair is like, Hey, I made a choice, and I hope if I knew that I was going to get hung for it, I'd still make the same choice. And then Ollie just freaking looks at John with a look of, like, fucking hatred. Yeah. Just, like, venom. It's just the nastiest look. It's, I don't know, it's just fucking awful. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you. Ollie, what I like about this scene is that I like how Ollie, his, the way he looks at John, the way John feels about that, it hurts him. Yes, and it I think, does. It really does. I think does. this is the 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 whole part of this that I think we should talk about is, is how John feels hurt by this. That now that he is alive, these wounds will hurt him forever. Right. And especially the fact that this kid who he brought in and he saved and liberated stabbed him. He was part of it. Right. And the fact that he's standing there convinced still that he did the right thing. That he did the right thing. Very I got to be honest with you. I really expected him to cry and beg and plead for mercy and to see the error in his ways when death was imminent. And he didn't, man. He just really looked a hole through Jon Snow. And that's something Jon Snow will not soon forget. And, you know, I came to Ollie's defense in the last podcast. I'm not going to do it again because, uh, well, unfortunately, these guys made their choices and now they're dead. And uh, boy... They really wanted you to, they wanted you to feel this. I don't think anybody, at least I didn't, I wasn't jumping up and down when these guys were squirming around on their ropes as they were hanging to death. I would have been decapitated, honestly. But I think the show's choice to go this direction really slams home the fact that it's pretty fucked up, even though they're wrong. It's fucked up, man. People killing people is, is bad news. That's penalty. And uh, John oh, just doesn't boy. want anything to do with this shit. Right? He doesn't want anything to do with it. Also, fuck, everybody walking around the show has English accents. I thought you guys were so good at hanging people. Aren't you supposed to be breaking necks? Those are some short falls. English people? And those fucking nooses aren't tight around their neck. I don't know why John didn't just decapitate them. Like, that's the stark move. Yeah. Is it because he's back from the dead now and he's like, I can't just decapitate people. That was my old move. What's he going to go down the line? What if he gets tired by like the third swing and he kind of misses? Just make sure you kill the right one first. And then like Ollie's at the end and he's just watching everyone be decapitated yeah. knowing he's next. Oh my God, that's terrible. Bowen Marsh, I think was one of the guy's names. I don't know the other. Bowen Marsh, Alistair Thorne, Ollie. I don't know the fourth guy's yeah. name. I wonder if he's in somebody's dead pool. <clears throat> but um, yeah, it was, um, boy, they strangle out. No broken necks for them. And the showrunners decided, let's really show people what happens when somebody's hanging there and they die from uh, asphyxiation. And uh, let's just show their bulging blue faces. 
and they they zoom right in. It was the worst. Honestly. They close right in and they say, "Isn't this fucked up? It's fucked up. The whole thing's a mess. What are you gonna do? You have to kind of be wondering about." Ollie got roped into this whole thing. Alistair Thorne did what he thought was right. And uh, yeah, that's it. He was wrong. He picked the wrong guy. Back the wrong places. He'd do it again. I guess, dude, that's uh, that whole stubborn, I don't learn things doesn't do you well in this life, I guess. No. So uh, Ed says you should burn their bodies. And that's when John pulls the old Fredo. And he's like, actually, maybe you should. Here's my coat. It's like, whoa, that was rude. Where are you going? To Dorn, you go in a place where you don't need that coat anymore, buddy. You going south? Yeah, yes. Takes his big cloak off and says, "You have Castle Block. My watch is ended." And he storms off. And let's be honest, everybody, were you not fucking waiting for this moment? Did you not cheer? Was this not boner jams for everyone? Because this was amazing. I this was the best line of the entire show tonight. Was Jon Snow saying that? Because. Whatever he's going to do now is going to be fucking amazing. This is the start of the most amazing Jon Snow storyline of all time. And I just cannot wait. Yes. Can't wait. Hmm. Pretty wild. So what is going on with Jon Snow? Let's talk about him being a Lord Commander. This was something that came up on our Facebook page. Is he relieved of his duty? Is this a technicality? He died. He's a watch member until he dies. He died and came back. Is that why... I love how Jon Snow's coming to grips with everything that happened, but he's he's all lawyered up already. Yeah, <laughs> he already like, knows. Bros. He's like, listen, I was dead, right? You guys, my can watch confirm. ended. My watch ended. Definitely ended that day when they Gotta stabbed go the bang shit some out chicks. of me. Bye. Can you blame him for not wanting to stay here? But what's he gonna do? Like, what is Jon thinking here? Where is he gonna go? Um, he's gonna go to Winterfell and fuck fools up. Where do you think he's gonna go? Where is he going? I just told you. By himself? No, he's going to take the wildlings with him. Hello. But it just starts to exit. He's like, bye. I'm yeah, out. and Tormund's going to be like, fuck, where am I going to go? I better follow him. And then either that or he's going to go to brothel and then go to Winterfell. <laughs> I mean. But like, I understand what you're saying. Like, you think he's going to lead the wildlings and he's in the snow battling and there's fires. Yeah, I and can't you know fucking that. wait. But my point is, is that he just is exiting with nobody. Yeah. He doesn't say anything. What is he doing? Where is he going to go? He's just pulling a Jerry Maguire. It's just to be dramatic. He's hoping oh people are going to follow him. And hopefully it's more than just Renee Zellweger. Like, I don't know. But he's just walking out. I know because he thinks people are going to follow him. And also because it's dramatic and we get excited. How far is he going to get? I, I don't know. He's probably going to walk like approximately 100 feet and then turn around to see if anyone's behind him. Maybe. Tormund must be like, well, what's the next move, dude? What are we going to do now? John's going to be like, we're going to kill everybody at Winterfell. It's not Stark. <laughs> but, but my point is, is like they shot it in such a way to make it dramatic and he's walking through the fucking tunnel. Like, I'm out of here. <laughs> and then he just goes into like his, his room and yeah, like, takes right? a nap. <laughs> he, he's like, it's yours now. He walks out. He's fucking drawing his name with piss in the sand. He's like, well, I should have take a piss. The next morning, they're all right? eating breakfast and John's just sitting there with everybody like, hey, guys, yeah. what's up? I really had to go. I've been dead for a while. That bladder's full. <laughs> what? Like, it's just so, they try to make it so dramatic, but what is he just, he just turns a corner and goes into his room. It was just because it was an amazing moment. We all liked it. <sighs> Don't worry. He just walked out of like the shot of the camera and then he stopped and he was like, all right, well, dinner guys like Ed, i just you wanted to see me? him 
like walking out there and then jump up. They do a freeze frame with his feet off the ground and then like they roll credits. Breakfast Club? No, nah, like anything, like any cheesy movie. You know, Breakfast Club is not a cheesy movie. It's an incredible cinematic well, <laughs> masterpiece. A, a tour de force. But, you know, that's but none fine. None other than Emilio Estevez. <laughs> it wasn't Emilio Estevez in that scene. It was Judd Nelson. No, right. I know. But I'm just saying he's in the fucking movie. I'm sure he is, but so are a lot of people. First of all, sister... <laughs> That's my era, so don't even get me started on Breakfast Club. I'll give you what it's your What year did era. that come out? How old were you when that came out? I don't out? know if I was born, yeah. but that doesn't right. mean I love it any less. Fucking tell me about Breakfast Club. I'll have you up on the goddamn rope, just like Alistair Thorne. I can look at your blue face for your treachery. If I get murdered, just remember. Use right. these podcasts as evidence. Well, it's not Judd Nelson. It is, in fact, Jon Snow. He's <laughs> just taking a walk. So, somebody in the chat says that next episode is going to open on a shot of him frozen in a hedge maze. <laughs> <laughs> Bad move, Johnny. Bad move. Oh, that was a good one. Oh, I'm sorry that I didn't get to that one first because that was good. All right. Moving right along. So are they fucking with us? Is Sansa and John going to miss each other? A hundred percent. I don't think so. Uh, I do. I don't think so. I think they're meeting up now. I think that Jon Snow and Sansa reunite. <laughs> I, oh my God, I'm going to murder you. it and it feels so good. I think that's happening. I don't think so. I really do. No, we can't have happiness like that. There's still two seasons left. Like, what if he walks out and she's just standing outside the gate in the next episode? Sansa. I don't think he'd ever say Sansa, so that's already incorrect. Well, I think that we're going to see her again soon. She's going to meet up. It's going to be glorious. I don't think it's going to happen, but okay, you're adorable that you believe in such things. Yeah, I have. I'm holding out hope. I think Jon Snow is uh, is going to make a move on uh, the Boltons. I think he wants to take Winterfell back. He's done with the Night's Watch's bullshit. Uh, they routinely murder their fucking Lord Commanders, and he don't want to be part of that anymore. So He's like, I don't want to get murdered again, so I'll just let my best friend get murdered in my place. Here you go, Ed. There you have it. There you go, Ed. I hope you don't get murdered by these treachery, treacherous fucks. But I'm looking forward to that. So let's move on to the final scene, shall we? Certainly. So, young Eddard Stark. What'd you think about this casting? I like the casting. I thought it was a good job. I thought it looked like him. Yeah. I know people have made comparisons to Doogie Howser yeah, and shit. Don't, we're going to talk about that in the listener comments. Don't you worry. <laughs> we'll get there. So um, young Eddard Stark shows up and uh, he gets to the tower and he's wondering what the fuck's going on. He wants he wants Lyanna back, does he not? Lyanna, as we know, was captured by Rhaegar Targaryen after a tournament. He rode off with her, bypassing his very wife and saying she's the queen of whatever the fuck and lowered his lands to her, rode off with her and it was a big fucking hellabaloo. It started the whole rebellion. Before we even get into this lore, i just like to point out that when this scene began, I thought we were going to get Dothraki stuff because we were seeing horses. And I feel like we always see Dothraki and horses. So this was really exciting when I was like, oh, no, wait, it's more like brand stuff and this this Ned Stark story, which is interesting to me. So I like that. I feel like they kind of faked you out a little, or at least me until I saw the Targaryen armor. Queen of beauty, the chat's telling me. That's what they, they call the one so chosen by Rhaegar. And uh, yeah, takes off with her, and uh, it starts a pretty big battle because she was pro- promised Robert. And he is Baratheon. such a winner that she really missed out on that one, let me tell you. I don't like your attitude. You know what? You didn't like Davos, and you were wrong. And I tried to tell you that Robert Baratheon was a badass, and you just won't hear it. <laughs> no. All because you saw the fat, drunk version who was jolly and funny. 
doesn't mean you have to be yeah, disrespectful. He's jolly and funny, but I mean, I don't know what Rhaegar Targaryen looks like, but I have a feeling it's pretty hot. Yeah. I mean, he is the father of Jon Snow, so he probably looked pretty good, right? Oh, he's he's beautiful. Uh, of course. He's lovely. Silver hair. And, uh, you know, his sister mother really took care of him. Wait, aunt mother? I don't know. <laughs> but uh, so let's talk about this because we're beating around the bush here. So Eddard Stark shows up with some of his boys and uh, it gets ugly pretty quickly. But what we should probably do is talk about who these people are. So who are these people you might be asking I don't yourself? Know. Oh, I'll I tell am you. asking that. Thank you. So at the end, we have Eddard Stark and his six companions, Howland Reed, William Dustin, Ethan Glover, Martin Castle, the father of Jory Castle, who I believe uh, was killed by Jamie Lannister when he got into it with Ned. Remember, he stabbed him in the eye with a dagger? Sure. Stabbed his kid in the eye. Theo Wool, I think, and Sir Mark Ricewell. Um, they found it guarded by members of the King's Guard. And in this particular rendition, we see Sir Arthur Dane and Sir Oswell Went. And they ask why these soldiers weren't with Rhaegar Targaryen, and they said that the king wanted them to be here. Yes. So we obviously know whatever's in the tower is very important to Rhaegar, if he has his best soldiers guarding it instead of him. Mm, because he was commanded to come here by him. Well, they know Lyanna Stark is up there. They know that these men were charged with protecting her, or in this case, maintaining her abduction. This is how Ned sees it. He sees it as, is, okay, they've, they've kidnapped my sister, they've taken her up to this tower, and now they're using these king's guardsmen to guard her. That's not going to happen. I want my sister back who's been kidnapped. But that might not be exactly what happens. So we'll talk about that at the end of this episode, post-credits. Okay. But what does happen, what they show us is the following. This man, Sir Arthur Dane. Sir Arthur Dane is a badass. This is something else we talked extensively about in the chat. He is a great fighter handsome as shit and he gets into it with mr stark and company and uh he gets moving with two swords and the choreography is amazing this fight scene is so good it's so awesome now for those of you who might not know this i'll give you just this arthur dane is called the sword of the morning that's what they call him that is something that house dane reserves the right to call people and he was the last one that ever was called it. You don't automatically get that. It's not like after this king, there's another king. The Sword of the Morning title is an honorary title given to only somebody who is worthy. We know that Arthur Dane was talked about highly by other knights. Jamie idolized him. He saved Jamie's life from the Smiling Knight, which we'll talk about later. But um, that he's, he's a, he was always considered a great knight, this guy. And he just starts chopping up Ned and all his friends. <laughs> Oh, yeah. It's like two on six, and he immediately kills everybody, basically. Oh, yeah. He just gets going. He has a sword called Dawn. Dawn was forged. Uh, here's what I call Dawn. Dawn is the sword from outer space, okay? Whoa. In a, a fallen star, yes, a meteorite that landed. They forged the, the sword from that rock. So it's from outer space, this sword, which is pretty sweet. It's That's a science crazy. fiction sword. I like yeah, it. Yeah, it is. And they get into a battle here, and people are losing, and Ned gets disarmed, and it's looking like it's the end for Ned. Of course, we know this is not the case, because we have we understand how this all plays out. 
in reality. Yeah, I was never worried about Ned, guys. I knew he was going to make it. But Howland Reed headed later. backstabs Arthur Dane. Father of Jojen Reed. Ugh, surprise, surprise. Yeah. And then, of course, the killing blow is delivered by Ned Stark. And that's the end of it. So, a couple things. Yeah. Ooh, can I say something? Sure. I think it's interesting because the way history tells the story is Ned Stark is this great, victorious warrior at this battle which he is i'm not saying that he's not but that he killed this great knight arthur arthur dane it was him and even when brand's watching the fight he's like i don't understand he's a better fighter than my father but i Far know better but i know my father won and the three-eyed raven says well did he and i think that that's interesting that history is so different it's just written words and what actually happened is so different and this is a circumstance of that is that history says, okay, Ned Stark killed this great Arthur Dane, great, great work, but Ned Stark would be dead if it wasn't for Helen Reed stabbing this guy in the back. Right. Something very dishonorable. Sure. And there's mention of this. There's a, there's a, something here that I believe was not in, it was in the book, but not in the TV show. I think in the book, uh, Ed has a fever dream after taking a wound and in it, he's talking about this, but I found a quote here from Ed Edard speaking to Bran. He says, The finest knight I ever saw was Sir Arthur Dane, who fought with a blade called Dawn, forged from the heart of a fallen star. They called him the Sword of the Morning, and he would have killed me, but not for Howlin' Reed. He says that to Bran. So this obviously, I think, is a bit of a conflict with the from the book to the show, because Ned never run, went around claiming he defeated Sir Arthur Dane in single combat. There's nothing he would ever do. I just think circumstantially what happened at this tower was people, they're making us think like, oh, we thought maybe Ed Stark defeated Sir Arthur Dane, but he in fact did not. He killed him, but he did not defeat him in combat, which is uh, pretty crazy because there are tales of Sir Arthur Dane fighting people. In fact, when he fought the smiling knight who, uh, who almost killed Jamie, he broke the guy's sword and then waited for him to grab another sword. So he was... When Barristan Selmy calls him the finest knight, this is one of the things they're saying. He's such an, he was always considered such an honorable guy, somebody to look forward to, somebody to look up to. And this is not an honorable thing that happened. Right, right, absolutely. <clears throat> yeah, in the chat, they're confirming that Ned said Howland Reed saved his life in the book, but I don't think they make it, I don't think they make it clear in the show. No, especially because on the after the show little mini thing where the, you know, Benioff and Weiss talk about it, they said that, what Bran saw is supposed to differ from the story that was told. Sure. So there you have it. So boom, we hear screaming up in that tower. We can only assume that's Lyanna Stark. And we have this odd moment where Bran calls out to Eddard, father. He turns around and we get a POV on Eddard who sees nothing. So what is going on here? Well, obviously Bran is going to be able to go back in time and he's going to be able to change the future and it's going to be like the Terminator and it's going to be fine. I think that's going to fuck up everything if he can manipulate the past. Oh, I'm being sarcastic. I hope that's not where they go. Because if they go that way, it's not going to work for me. Yeah. This isn't going to be like when Law started doing time travel and I was like, I'm into this. I'm it's, not going to be into it's, this. It's concerning. You know, I maybe it's just uh, something to keep you off balance while you're watching it. But we know that Bran is being set up to probably be the most powerful person. Right. I mean, he's being set up to, I mean... To, to maybe assume the Three-Eyed Raven's position, maybe to take over him. The guy said he's waited in the tree forever. But he's not going to take over. He made that clear. No, I Brand's know. not going to become him. But he's saying soon you're going to know everything. 
And that's an important quote. You're going to know everything? Yes. Everything? So maybe that knowledge is going to somehow play out in the end. But I don't, if Bran gets pulled into this, I don't see him donning Stark armor and, and righting all the wrongs. I see him just kind of fading out. But I don't know, man. I don't know what's going to happen with him. I know there's been speculation. Is he gonna is he gonna use his warging power and control dragons? Is he gonna what how will he play into the main plot at the end of this? We can only speculate on at this point. Nobody really knows. But the fact that he turned around, that that Ed turned around when he called out to him in the past is bizarre. You know, that's a really weird thing to throw in there to keep us off balance, to to, to hint at possibilities coming, I don't know. I, I hope it's not going to turn into a thing where he can manipulate the past. I'm fine with the idea that he's out there and he wants to talk to his father so bad and he's that powerful that if he calls out to him, then Ned can be like, oh, I kind of thought I heard something. Right. Because how many times in your day-to-day life do you think you hear something and you don't? Maybe you do. Maybe it's your child from the future talking to you in the past. You don't know that. So listen up, motherfuckers. Yeah, I guess that's... Uh that's intri- it's, uh, it's wild. So, uh, yeah, then we hear the crying little baby, and uh, that is the end of that. Uh, crying That's little John Snow. Crying little John Snow. So, so the rumor goes. But we hear Liana screaming for sure. Yes. Yes. But uh, that's it. So that's the episode. That's what we got. Considering that we've been podcasting for like two hours, not that much happened in the episode, but plenty <laughs> happened here. You know how it goes. Well, I think we are going to get to some listener comments, so why don't we get that cracking? Okay, let's do it. So there were a lot of good comments I could have chosen from, but let's be honest, there was only one I could read tonight, and that comment is from someone who's in the chat right now, Miss Andrea Ramos. Oh, damn. Was it just me, or did young Ned Stark look like Doogie Howser? And look at John and his new give zero fucks attitude. Could this give credence to the theory that when you return from the dead, you are slightly different? I don't know. But personally, I think this naughty John Snow, I want him to pull up to my house and pick me up on the back of his motorcycle <laughs> while my parents scream out the front door. Do the flashback scene suggest that Bran can maybe manipulate the past? If so, the possibilities. He might just Marty McFly that shit. Also, the reveal of the little birds, not the little birds, are just a bunch of dirty kids working for rancid fruit. <laughs> Uh-huh. Did not see that coming. I was secretly hoping they were actually going to be little birds, like some Disney cartoon shit that helped Varys put on his robes and sing with him. Exactly what I said. Arya's like, bye Felicia to herself, and about to be a girl that has no name. But I don't think she will keep that oath. Like, when I was a teenage girl, I swore I would never let a guy put it in my butt. <laughs> Things change. Oh, Jesus Christ. Love seeing Ollie's <laughs> death face. Dead oh, children fuck. aren't something I normally delight in on a Sunday, but for him, I shall make an exception. Wow. That's pretty brilliant, if you ask me. And I would just like to add one sub-comment from Adam Talbot, who said, Swearing off a kill list after you have been beaten and indoctrinated is slightly different than swearing off anal. Not much, but slightly. Yeah. So there you have it from the experts. There you go. <laughs> well, let's be honest. There are really good comments this week in the chat. There's, you know, there's there's images from South Park where the guy has huge blue balls. G- great, great comments. Uh, a lot of good stuff. That one. Uh, Adam had to Talbot read. saying that Alistair Crow went out like a boss. Uh, and in in plenty of stuff to talk about. Uh, this week, I would like to uh, just highlight a couple things. People are really high on brand storyline right now. Uh, I like that. There's there's plenty of shit to talk about. But I think I, after looking at these, um, 
I think yeah, I want to talk. No. Yeah, there's so many I could do. I think I'm going to talk about Mike Hilgore today. All right, let's talk about him. He's in the chat too. He says, I'm thinking more about if we will see a different John now that he's come back from the dead. While I think the original John would have put the traitors to death, it was interesting that he neglected to tell all the black brothers he was leaving until after he killed them. They probably assumed he was going to stay on as Lord Commander, not knowing he was stepping down immediately after the execution. That's a bit of Jon Snow playing, quote-unquote, the game that he might not have done before, but I like the idea of a more ruthless, if for the good, Jon. What do you think about that? I think that that's interesting about how it is different. I think a lot of it's different, and I know it's stupid to say, like, okay, he didn't behead them, but that kind of is like the stark thing. Their death was kind of a death where they suffered more. Um, and it, it's interesting now that Mike points it out that he did this thing and he executed all these people. And then he was like, just kidding. I'm not your leader anymore. Bye. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm going to do this leadership thing because I want to kill these people, but then I'm done. And that is interesting. Yeah. I think that it's, I don't see Jon Snow not putting these people to death as, as something that he knows he has to do. That's what he's been taught his whole life. He knows that he's Lord Commander and his responsibility is to execute these traitors. He's not going to put that off on somebody else. He's going to do the thing that he thinks is the right thing to do and not burden anyone else with that, even though there's probably plenty of people who would have volunteered to cut that fucking rope. I think that that's a, a, a strong move by John because I think it's an honorable move by John in a weird fucking way. I don't have a problem with him bouncing from the Night's Watch. I think he is wasted up there. I, I don't either. And but I it, think that there's more important things going on right now. He will just get overrun by the Knights King and all those guys. They they can't do anything. So it, I don't see him staying there for for. for I don't I don't see a reason for him to stay there when everything south of him is where all the crazy shit's going on. Especially right. now that he's been dead and come back. I just think that it's interesting because the Jon Snow that we knew before would never. He was given the opportunity to become Jon Stark and to fight for Winterfell, and he turned that down. Yeah. Like, this is a different Jon Snow, and maybe it's just Do you think it was impulse, or do you think he knew he was going to do this the whole time? I think maybe it was impulse. It was yeah. a little bit of impulse. But I, but I do think this is a different Jon Snow. We can say, okay, but he's still going by the rules. His watch has ended, so now he can go off and do whatever. But I, I think he's a little different, and I think that that is going to be important. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I think that... Um, I think there is probably some... <sighs> He's still wrapping his head around the fact that these men that he was trying, that he went to great lengths. He risked a lot for these men. He tried to do the right thing for these men to keep them safe and to keep everything safe. That's all he's ever tried to do. And the fact that they stabbed him and killed him, he never got to deal with that. He just got to die. And now that he's back, he's trying to wrap his head around this. And I think that it's been a very fast 24 hours for him. They have to deal with the traitors. He hasn't wrapped his head around all this shit. He has to make a decision, and he did. I think that the way Ollie hated him right up until his fucking dying breath really bothered John, and I think it shook him up a little. And I think he kind of was like, I'm done. I don't know if it was totally premeditated that he was going to walk. Yeah, I'm not saying it I was think, either. No, I know, but some people think it is, some people think it isn't, and I'm sure, I think that's what Mike's saying is that he thinks it was. I don't know, man. I, that's a tough call. I could see it going both ways. I could see him thinking, I don't want any part of this, and thinking of a way to quit, and then after this hanging thing, and the way we show these zoomed-in faces on these guys, on Ollie, 
the way Ollie looks at him, the way they hang, the way he looks down, the way he can't even maintain eye contact with Ollie. Do you have any last words? He cuts the rope. There's no joy in this for John. There's no joy in hanging them. If you would have handed the sword to to Ed, he would have fucking chopped that thing off and did a backflip and jumped around and yay, because you killed Jon Snow. But the guy that you murdered that you're on trial for is killing you. Yeah. It's so weird. It's such a weird situation that... I'm I'm really wondering where John's head's at. He's definitely affected for the by the fact that he died and came back. And when you die and come back, there's going to be all these expectations on you. You can't just go wandering around. You're not going to join the brothers without banners, right? Right. <laughs> you got to figure shit out. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I I don't know if it was a premeditated quit. I think that it was premeditating in that he considered it, but it's how long has he had to actually think about it? Yeah. I think it's been on his mind, and then this executing these guys and realizing Alistair would have done it all over again and doesn't care makes him really think then what the fuck is the point of me being here you know so I don't know I, I don't know it's tough it's tough call but boy good shit great scene great scene with all that stuff at the at the at Castle Black I liked it a lot and uh, those are our listener comments for the week we had plenty guys if you're not on the Facebook page I can't help you facebook.com slash groups slash LSG on GOT. That's facebook.com slash groups slash LSG on GOT. Go there. We'll let you in. It's a group page. Everybody's awesome. They're funny. Sometimes they get into little debates. It's fucking cool. And uh, they're all cool in the end. Nobody's trying to be an asshole in there for the most part. And uh, that's that. So if you want to join those conversations, do so. And uh, we try to pick out comments that we want to talk about. That's how we do it. We don't have any uh, checkoff system. We don't, you know, pick one guy because we picked them last week. We just fucking see to the pants with the with the pant with the picks. So that's all I have to say about the that. So final thoughts, Jessica. What do you think about this episode? Before final thoughts, can we talk about the Deadpool? Oh yeah, I do that every week. Ugh. Every week I fuck this up. So let's talk about the Deadpool. Yes. Let's thank John Marginson. Thank you again, John Marginson, for maintaining for track of the this shit. order of this. Um, because I could not keep track of the shit. When we watched this episode live, I said, oh my God, Dean, I think you have Alistair Thorne. And Dean was like, yeah, I do. And I spent the entire night and all of this morning devastated, thinking that Dean was ahead of me in the Deadpool, when in fact he did not pick Alistair Thorne. So no, I was fucking with you. You just lied to me. I, I like went to work and told people how I was devastated because <laughs> I was losing in my Deadpool. Every week I tell you, whoever dies, I say. I know, and I don't know why I believe you, honestly. Anyway, <laughs> we have a new leader in first place, Christina Brown, with three dead on her list. Um, she had Alistair Thorne and Ollie. She went there. She, she picked that child. Um, she also had Ruth Bolton. Her remaining two on her Deadpool, just to let you know, are uh, Loris Tyrell and Tom and Baratheon. Then we have a seven-way tie for second and third place between the following people. Jay Fink, Joe Pulcini, Kelly, Kelly Beam, Maria Kirby, Steph Dion, Steve Fernald, and Tori Hunter. Bum, bum, bum. Nice. Still and coming Dean up and zero. I have zero. Still coming up on zero. And we're supposed to be the host of this podcast who know things. We don't know we shit. We do not know anything. That should be obvious by the end of this episode. We drink and know nothing. We drink and know nothing. Um, all right. Well, we will see you next week. We will get you the recording time as soon as possible. Uh, again, that's very dependent on work schedules, but we'll keep you posted. Uh, I don't know if they have a ton to say at the end here. Maybe we can get into it. But give people a, a, a warning that 
We may get into some post-credit talk about some of the lore here. So if you're in chat, you might want to bounce now. If you are uh, interested, hang around after the credits, and maybe there'll be some content there for you, because really, seat of the pants tonight. I have no idea what I'm going to talk about. I got some Wikipedia pages open, and maybe we'll figure some shit out. But uh, stick around. We'll be back in a minute. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for checking out LSG Media's coverage of A Game of Thrones. Make sure you check us out on the web at libertystreetgeek.net. That's libertystreetgeek.net, where you can see other shows we have like The Walking Dead and the Science Fiction Film Podcast. All right, folks, we will catch you next week. Have a good one. So, Jessica... Yeah. I fell into a rabbit hole at work today. Did you? Oh, God. I did not have time for such things. And I was reading all about Arthur Dane. And uh, a couple of things you might not know about him, which is really awesome, is is that, although I think this is mentioned, but after Arthur Dane's death, Eddard rode to Starfall, the seat of House Dane, to return the sword dawn to Arthur's sister, Lady Ashara Dane, as a sign of respect. Hmm. So pretty cool. Uh, obviously, Ned Stark probably wasn't thrilled with the way Sir Arthur Dane died, but he probably also was not thrilled with the fact that Rhaegar Targaryen kidnapped her and these men were protecting or guarding her from them. So he saw these guys as standing in between his sister's freedom and uh, him. So kind of cool, pretty wild. But one of the things that doesn't happen, the reason I wanted to save this for the spoilers, is, is that there's three men at the Tower of Joy. Guarding. There's Arthur Dane, Oswell Went, and another man named Gerald Hightower. Hmm. He's the Lord Commander. That's the guy that served on the small council that they mention in the episode. He wasn't present at this battle. It was Went and Dane. So the reason I wanted to save this for now is because I think we're going to see Gerald Hightower in the fucking tower for maybe the final confrontation between Ned and this guy, maybe. I didn't want to say that because I didn't want people to get spoiled like, oh, there's a third knight, fuck. What about this guy? He's the Lord Commander of the fucking Night's Watch. He's going to be up there defending them. And I think that that's kind of neat. But so much good shit was said about Sir Arthur Dane, and that's what was so fascinating about him. Uh, Arthur was the champion in the tournament in honor of Viserys' birth. Oh, God. Ugh, he's the worst. In that tournament, he defeated Rhaegar Targaryen. He broke 12 lances against him in his tourney at Storm's End, losing to the prince at the tourney at Harrenhal in 281 AC. He was defeated by Rhaegar once again. So that goes to show you that Rhaegar, while not in maybe sword combat, a great warrior in himself a little bit, but he actually defeated Sir Arthur Dane in the joust, which is pretty wild. So kind of cool. I, I really like that. The fucking lore here is amazing. It's, and when you start looking into these tournaments, you know, the tourney at Harren hall, uh, Rhaegar Targaryen, uh, he won that one. He actually defeated Barristan Selmy. What? I know. RIP bro. I know, but Selmy's won his fair share. He defeated Brandon Stark. He defeated Arthur Dane, Prince Targaryen. Brandon Stark? Yeah, uh, Ed's brother, right, who got burned by the Mad King. Oh, Brandon Stark, okay. Brandon Stark. Yeah, Rickard Stark's son. Is he his older brother? I don't remember. I don't know. I can't keep track of all these siblings. Oh, there's so fucking many. But um, so I guess we're going to assume that 
this whole theory is going to come true, right? Is that Leanna Stark up there giving birth to Jon Snow? A hundred percent. Wow. We're going to drag it the fuck out till we realize it's Jon Snow, but for sure, that's what we're going to realize. Yeah. Is that is that what's going to happen? Mm-hmm. Ugh. So I don't know. I thought that that was kind of neat. Like I said, I don't have a ton of a ton of shit to say, but there's a lot of fucking lore on this guy who we never really see. It just it, it's funny because when you look at some of the quotes about him, uh, our our knees do not bend so easily. Arthur to Eddard regarding the Kingsguard. Uh, now it begins. No, now it ends. That was in the book, which is kind of cool, I guess. Uh, smiling, or maybe not, I don't know. Smiling Knight, it's that white sword of yours I want, Arthur says, then you shall have it. Yeah, the Smiling Knight thing was cool. I guess Jamie Lannister fought him, well, fought him off anyway, and then later he was killed by Arthur Dane in single combat. So this guy's badass, and it's too bad. Like, this is what I mean about this show. One of the things that's f- so fascinating about it is, is the fact that he's so fucking powerful that... But he's a blip on the radar. He's here and he's gone so briefly. But there's this whole rich lore about him in the background. Yeah. Uh, the chat's actually saying, is Hightower any good of a fighter? And uh, Mike's suggesting the Hightower was the one killed, I thought, and Went will be in the tower. So I'm not sure. Maybe that's possible. Um, and Mike's saying in the book, Hightower says the line, if we were there, the usurper would be dead. Talking about the trident. Right, of course. But maybe I'm remembering incorrectly. Yeah, that's a good I point. I certainly don't know. I didn't read the book, so I I thought Ober Martell was going to live. So I mean, my <laughs> opinion is pretty invalid here. But anyway, yeah, like I said, I don't. We, I don't. It's not like I prepared this big fucking history romp about Arthur Dane. There's not a ton of shit I can say about him that's relevant to the current show and the podcast. But pretty cool stuff, you know. It makes you think about all these fighters and how people have these debates on this fighter is the better. He's the better fighter. He's the better fighter. But, you know, Rhaegar Targaryen was fucking defeated by Robert Baratheon. Rhaegar Targaryen, for all accounts and purposes, was a better fighter than right. than Robert. But Robert fucking smashed him out and killed him. So it's cool, man. I just, I like it. Uh, another pretty neat thing about Arthur Dane is, is that his brother, uh, Edric Dane, I think is one of the, is with the Brothers Without Banners which is kind of neat. So he's with Beric Dondarrion and those guys, Arthur Dane's brother. Hmm. I don't know if they ever get into that in the show, but it's made pretty clear in this, uh, which is awesome. And then another cool factoid that I liked about Arthur Dane, they're considered Dornishmen. Like that's the region they're from, but, they, but huh. they're more pale looking. Uh, House Dane is considered Dornish in culture, so which I think is kind of neat. So they like to have sex with a lot of people? Yeah, maybe. I'm not sure. <laughs> Seems to be the Dornish way. Seems to be the Dornish way. Uh, Arthur Dane also, Arthur Dane and Rhaegar Targaryen were considered like best buddies too, which is intense. Hmm. That's why so, he trusted him with uh, right. Lyanna in the So shower. you have to wonder, and this is where this whole thing comes into, like the whole war, you can, Robert's Rebellion, what's so fucked up about it all is, is that all these guys started, the, I mean, who knows who fired the first shot? I guess that's how it always goes in history with war. And that's one of the things I love so much about this series is it gets into that. There's no clear beginning to the treachery because you could argue that Robert's Rebellion was just a gross misappropriation of violence against people that were going after a woman that they thought was captured that wasn't. In the end, she might have willingly wanted to be with this Rhaegar and everything we hear about Rhaegar throughout the series, especially the shit that Selmy says, but he sings and, 
you know, when he was born, he wasn't really a martial man. He was more of a music guy and a storyteller. And then he got into the martial ways and then he got good at it. But he was always a different type of man, you know, uh, more of a lover than a fighter, I guess you could say. And uh, it's funny to think that here's this guy who's in this position where he has to go to Elias Sand because that's what his father demands, but that's not what he wants. He's in love with the she-wolf, they right. called her. The hot-blooded, Ooh. yeah, she's similar like to Arya, I suppose. And um, he wants to be with this woman, Lyanna Stark, and it's a it's a pretty interesting poetry. It's, uh, you know, people sailed across oceans for, uh, the hell's her name? Helena Hell of Troy, Troy, right? Yeah, that's what it's, I was just going to say. It's very similar when you start to break it down. That, she started a whole war, Hell of Troy. Yep. Right. And Lyanna Stark may have been in love. Maybe her and Rhaegar are in love. And and now this whole thing that Ned and Robert went on was this big fool's errand that's plunged the whole fucking country into war. Right. Now, there's pluses to this. That is, of course, Aerys Targaryen getting out of power. That was a good thing. I'm sure if there was a benevolent rule here, there probably wouldn't have been a war. The fact that they were going after Rhaegar Targaryen, whose father was the fucking Mad King, probably didn't help. And maybe if there was a more benevolent king on the throne, it wouldn't have catapulted everything into war. But it did because Targaryen went nuts and burned people and burned Ed's brother and his father. And then Jaime slew him. And then Tywin Lannister entered the city like, oh, I'm, I'm here to help you guys. And then no, they killed everybody. So... Yeah, man, one kidnapping started this whole thing, and I think that that's interesting, and I like it. And I like how there's everybody's got blood on their hands in this, and that's what what's so fascinating about the fucking show. It's so smartly written that you, it's hard to, to say anything other than that. And then you think about this guy, Sir Arthur Dane, who's a king's guard. He's following his orders, and that's what he's doing. You know, was he wrong to stand in front of Ned and those men to stop them from going into the tower? Was that an amoral choice? I don't think so. I think he was doing his duty. I think he was doing what he thought was the right thing at the time, just like Ned was doing what he thought was right at the same time. And that's the fucking tragedy of it all and what makes it so compelling and interesting. And uh, yeah, man, it's fucking awesome. It's a, it's a great show. I will miss it when it's gone. And I really hope, boy, I hope we do some spinoffs. Oh, we're going to, don't you worry. It's so the money-making machine. There's no reason to not do spinoffs. The oh, question so is many. just, are they going to be any good? Right. They're going to happen. Just are they going to be shitty or not? <laughs> sure. Sure. I guess. Well, anyway, that's all I really want to say. I didn't have, like I said, shooting off the off the cuff here. I just want to talk a little bit about that and mention that there might be a third night in that tower waiting for Ned. I just didn't want to spoil that if people weren't interested in knowing that. And uh, that is all, I suppose. We are going to kiss you all goodnight. Kisses. Yeah, we are. Oh, hugs, my God. Hugs and kisses. And uh, we're going to get the fuck out of here. Thanks to everyone who stopped in and listened. I really yeah, appreciate guys. it. Thanks for listening to me fumble through wiki articles and uh, post chat here. And uh, we will catch you guys next week. Stay tuned, like I said, for the release dates. Bye. Guys. Bye.